You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stevings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 188 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stubbings and joining me in the kitchen studio this week is my first co-host, Matt Smith. <laughs> hello, I like that. Yeah, the fir- first of many today, absolutely. I know. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, How yes. are you, Matt? I'm all right, thank you. Good. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got a bit tired today. That's because you've just had a big meal. Today. I have had a big meal. God, look at my hair as well. See, whose idea was it to do cameras, honestly? I know. <laughs> and in HD. Honestly. I know. So uh, joining us uh, live from his, um, his uh, posh hotel room yeah. is our other co-host of the show, uh, he's uh, well. He's he's miles away from here. He is from the UK, yeah. even. So welcome onto the show. It's uh, Neville Bounds. Yes, hello, gents. Nev here, and uh, here I am in the lovely city of Salvador, Brazil, at uh, uh, well, a resort hotel. Just been here for a conference this week and flying back tonight. I'm stuck in a corridor currently because I've already checked out of my room, and there's a very large conference going on just over the way here. So there's going to be interruption and noise even more than usual so we'll, we'll see how we go <laughs> yeah, oh brilliant well yeah. well thanks for joining us anyway nev i know it's, uh, it's it's been a bit of a mission for you to kind of get wi-fi that's above 0.8 of a, a megabyte <laughs> yeah, and stuff absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, yes, no yes. It's, it's all clear for uh, for now anyway hopefully yes. it'll stay clear obviously, for the rest of the show obviously a massive help obviously be you know being in the fact there's a load of people now going to a conference because yeah, i, I don't suppose any of them will turn off their wi-fi and no a bit of a moment in about an hour's time, I, yes, I guess. Absolutely. So let, let's see how we go on. No, knowing Nev, he'll go down and, and pull the, the Wi-Fi router apart and give the hotel a uh, much, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Make things an awful lot better. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Why not? We'll go. We'll we'll go with that. Anyway, moving on, sir. Mm, to our guest host, first of our guest hosts this week, uh, he's back. We haven't had him on for a while, and uh, he's our he's our main man. So all the way uh, from Portland, Maine. Welcome onto the show, Micah. Hello, Carlos and Matt and Nev. It's so wonderful to be able to be here again. Missed you guys terribly, although I keep up with you every week, and it's wonderful wonderful to be invited back as a guest host. I guess I didn't muck it up too badly last time. <laughs> so how, how are things with you, um, uh, Mike? Have you been up to uh, much mischief? Well, uh, other than dealing with the man flu, which I've had for oh. over a week now, uh, which is just terrible. I think I get it almost as bad as poor Matt does. But uh, I've <laughs> been dealing with that and uh, also was uh, fortunate enough to have a nice piece appear on last week's Airplane Geeks uh-huh. and should have uh, another piece appearing if things work out right on next week's Airplane Geeks. <gasps> and wow. the secret that even... The plain talking UK producers and hosts have no idea about is that there should be a piece on next week's plain talking UK podcast. Oh, very exciting! Ooh. This is great. You heard it absolutely. I do like an exclusive. I, I prefer to find my editorial notes like before the show, but you know, whatever. It's <laughs> fine. You never, you never, you never read my editorial notes. Hey, look, I actually show. read them this week. I yeah, actually, yeah. I actually got just just to let everyone who's joined us uh, live in the chat room know uh, tonight. I had a massive shock tonight on yes, the way home from yes. work i did check to make sure you were sat down i, well, I was sat yeah, down yeah, yeah. but driving <laughs> uh, driving the tristar van home yes. from work and i got a message from matt uh, to say that he had actually read 
the show notes yeah. for this week's show. I didn't read the stories. I just read like the the stuff around it. You know, it was, yeah. you know. It's, well, you know, I I read them this week too, and it's I'm I'm glad I did. It's the first time I did it because now I understand why I don't need to read them in the future. Well, this oh, is it. exactly. Thanks for that. Oh, love you guys too. Um, I'd forgotten how much I liked you, Mike. I know. So anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on, uh, we we do have yes. another guest host on the show this week, and uh, well, he's he's got a kind of another guest host hidden next to him, but we'll go with the first one here. So, uh, welcome back to the show. It's uh, our illustrious pilot of the uh, Phenom Three Hundred. It's uh, Pilot Pip. Hello. <laughs> Pip, I must say you're looking very um, doing? Yes, very yes, good. You're yes, looking you lovely. Like, you like my new haircut? I think it's I think it's very becoming. You I think gorgeous. it's uh, it's a uh, it's a good look for those of you listening to the audio uh, podcast. Uh, uh, Pip is wearing what I can only describe a as a well, it looks like a bunny hat. I don't. Yeah, know what Dan Hannington yeah. said I wasn't aware that the Easter Bunny was a guest this week. <laughs> well, no, indeed, um, absolutely. Very true. Well, look, Where is, if you don't like this one, I've got another one. How about how about I, I swap heads here? Right. Okay. okay yes. Yeah, okay. Heads. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. This yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, all right, so we're going to squat to the other ah, head here. Ah, I brought a friend. Uh-huh. Oh, oh you've, you've brought uh, uh, someone else with you. I mean, that looks Who very prehistoric. Who be? Yeah, uh, they're saying in the chat room here that have you been in the sim too long, uh, Pip? Is that, is that what's going on here? This is so. what happens when you go into the sim. Well, I'm going to take my head off. Yes. Okay. Okay. And well, who don't do lose your head this over is? this. Hey! Hey! Oh. Look who it is. It's the Hello, lovely Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Jen. Oh, that's who it is. <laughs> Some girl I picked up in a bar. <gasps> How yeah, rude. How very dare you. <laughs> now, Jen, what are you doing with Pip? I mean, what, what, I mean, how come you're there? What, what's going on? This is all, um, all well, a big shock. I don't, I don't know. I just... Uh, got picked up in a bar. Right. Okay. All right. Again. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm. Again. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, um, I can't just say the I chat room's going mad. Yeah, it's going a little bit nuts here. <laughs> everyone's yes. everyone's in Jen now. The well, chat room's going crazy. Jen has been my uh, gracious guest host here. She obviously lives in, uh, as you know, in Columbus. Just, oh wow. Uh, not very far at all from the hotel. So mm. we've, we've uh, been hanging out a little bit. Uh, these last few weeks, lovely. And so oh, it'll be fun cool. to. Uh, we had lunch just uh, a short yeah. while ago, and then we thought it'd be fun to come and crash. You guys, very cool. So let's let's just work out. So the time the time where you are, because obviously it's now rapidly approaching twenty five past something or other, twenty five past seven, seven here in the yeah. UK. So what time is it where you and uh, Jen Niffer are? Where I am is 25 past two, and I suppose it must be the same for Jen. I think so, yes. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right, indeed, yeah. yes, probably. Uh, yeah, so, so I've, as I said earlier, I've got a, I've, uh, I'm not quite finished yet. I've got another sim session oh, no. uh, at uh, six o'clock this evening, so... Uh, Fantastic. Well, this is good, yeah, so it's... Uh, it, it, it's, it's it's all good My here. My secretary so, says it's five o'clock. Uh, oh, oh, right, okay. okay. <laughs> Your PA. I like it, yes, yeah. yeah. So we're, yeah, <laughs> right. we're going to say a big welcome and hello as well. Don't forget to everyone who has joined us in mm. the live chat room tonight. Uh, Myla, Masha, Tony S, Mark Harvey, Mariana, Jenny Parkinson, Philip Davis, uh, Richard King, Dan Hannington, Liz Piper, Lane Street, uh, someone called Pilot Pip, Philip oh, Davis, yeah. uh, <laughs> we've got Bob Croneman. Wow. Hello, Bob. Haven't seen you in a chat room before. Uh, we've got. He's a friend of mine, uh, Bob Cronman. Ah, okay. So I've got to bring my a- producer, uh, Associate producer of the airplane geeks, Brian Coleman, is in there. I've heard oh, of him. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Jeff Braithwaite, Tony yeah. S., uh, Tom Thomas as well. 
I'm just scrolling up the list here. Hope I don't miss anyone out because I normally do. Yes, you do. People. Yes, yes yeah. Brian Coleman's in there as well, and they're all busy chatting amongst themselves. This is always, always good. So good. obviously, so at the time here is, is obviously it's, it's approaching twenty five past seven here. Uh, Nev, what time is it where you are? It is 25 past three in the afternoon here, oh, so oh, I'm uh, okay. out of kilter with everybody, basically. Yeah, no and, there. and uh, Michael, what's the time where you are? Same as with uh, Pip and Jan, although yes, sorry, more I sunlight do. than I will, because it lasts longer, but it's 25 past two. Fantastic. It's a lovely sunny day here, Micah. We've Quite actually... It's been a bit of a rare day here in the mm. UK. We, we had, had sun sunshine. and blue yeah. sky. Absolutely, yes. Which is uh, I didn't quite think amazing. that was possible. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, anyway. But uh, before, we, uh, before we start the news segment for today's show, uh, we want to give a quick mention and a, uh, a big round of applause. We're going to have a little bit of round of applause. Here we go. If it works. There we go. Yeah. To uh, those of you who watch the show uh, regularly will probably remember... Uh, a young chap called Stuart O'Neill, who we had on the show uh, a few episodes, a few episodes back now, earlier on this year, and uh, Stuart uh, is uh, and was my CFI at the flight school where I learned to fly, and he's also the pilot of the Cessna caravan, where people tend to jump out of it on a regular basis. Uh, but as you probably will know if you've listened to the show, you know that Stuart has been training uh, to uh, to be, for his commercial pilot license, and uh, he got a job as most of you'll know, with an airline here in the UK, a regional airline in the UK, that we're going to call Diamond Air, I think, for, uh, for argument's sake. Okay. And um, I'm pleased to say that uh, Stuart passed all his exams and he passed all his SIM, uh, SIM checks and all his all the various bits and pieces he had to do to uh, to get to uh, well to get to fly passengers and stuff, and uh, yeah, he's now a uh, fully qualified first officer um, with the airline. And there we go. It's a picture of Stuart. For those of you watching in the YouTube chat room, you'll be able to see a picture on the screen there of Stuart standing next to his Embraer ERJ one four five. Nice. So we're going to say a massive well done to Stuart. Yeah, big um, congratulations. It's uh, it's been a long yeah, road for Stuart. Um, it's yeah. been nearly a ten year long road for Stuart from when he started wow. uh, flying so uh, he's got to where he wants to be now he absolutely I spoke to him earlier this week he loves uh, loves his new job yeah I bet he and, does and uh, yeah he's um, he's yeah he's absolutely loving it he's been yeah. putting some f uh, pictures on for those of you who follow Stuart on Facebook he put a great video on there mm. of uh, his uh, kind of um his progression, journey. His, yeah, journey, yeah, his journey, which yeah. he's had to uh, to get to where he is now, and yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to it, I'm sure you probably is at some point. Yeah. Uh, congratulations and well done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well done from yeah, from all pass of us. Yeah, on uh, congratulations uh, to him from me as well. That's a uh, awesome, uh, awesome effort, and that's a really nice company he's uh, going to be working for. I've got a, a few friends who cut their aviation teeth there. It's a, a nice little outfit, and he's going to have a great time. Obviously, those of you who come to the UK on a regular, or, or come to our part of the world on a regular basis, don't panic because Chans is still very much thriving. <laughs> uh, you know, despite despite uh, hubby now being in the air a lot. So it's, actually, Stuart did uh, say yeah, to me yesterday that yeah. he's um, he's back uh, this way uh, yeah. for for a short break. Oh, um, how nice! Yeah, because yeah. he's obviously he's, he's you yeah, know yeah. done all his exams and yeah. stuff. He's passed. He's flying. He's actually he's based sort of Leeds area, uh, Bristol, Bristol, Bristol. Yeah, yeah, Stuart's yeah, yeah. based okay. in Bristol. So if any of our yeah. listeners live in the Bristol area, um, you might. Uh, if you're around the airport, you may well see Stuart jumping in and out of the uh, the one four five at some point. So uh, yeah, so so well done, Stuart, again. Indeed. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay. And uh, are we all ready via the world of Skype? 
Yes, we are. Absolutely set. I'm ready. Are you ready, Jen? No. Jen's not ready. Hang on, just give us a second. <laughs> right, no problem. Yeah. Let's go. No, carry on. She's ready. So kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on the bbc.co.uk website. And uh, this, uh, this story really did make me chuckle this week when I saw it come up on the news feeds. And for any of you guys who have uh, possibly been on a, a passenger, commercial passenger jet, albeit a 737, anything up to an Airbus A380, would probably think it would be quite cool to be the only person on that aircraft. Well, that has happened to uh, a woman, and the headline on the story, woman is the only passenger on holiday jets. So uh, a woman who paid just £46 for a flight to Crete has spoken of her amazement as being the only passenger on board the aircraft. Uh, Karen Grieve from Dunlop in Ayrshire here in the UK described her Jet 2 flight from Glasgow to the Greek island, which normally carries 189 passengers, as surreal. She was given VIP treatment after the other two passengers booked on the flight failed to turn up. Jet 2 said it was not unusual for the final flight of the season to have fewer bookings than normal. Fewer bookings? Yeah, quite a few <laughs> bookings. Uh, Mrs. Grieve, who was travelling to Crete uh, to write a crime novel, hmm, said it was uh, immediately obvious there were very few passengers when she turned up at the airport for her 16.30 flight on Sunday. She told the BBC Good Morning Scotland programme that she turned up at the check-in desk and was joking with staff, saying... How many people are on this flight? The guy was laughing at me and said, oh, come on, guess. So we got it down to ten, then to four, and then he said, you'll never guess what, there's only three of you on board the flight. But when she got to the gate, the other two people hadn't turned up. So Miss Greaves said that but, uh, because she was the only passenger, all of the flight crew knew her name and got to know her really well. She said that uh, they were all on best friend terms before they'd even got on the aircraft. The captain was fantastic. She also said that um, the captain herself came and sat beside her while the first officer did all the flight checks and they were chatting away about the flight. While the plane uh, was in the air, Miss Grieve said that the captain addressed her by her name from the cockpit. Nice. <laughs> uh, she said every time she made an announcement from the flight deck, she said, Hi there, Karen, and then gave her some info on where they were flying across. I love it. I, this is just so cool. I mean, this story is, I mean, it, I mean, it is brilliant. Uh, it is. Let's be honest here. To have it, it, it's you know, virtually like having your own private jet, yeah, but a very I, I big mean, it's private just jet. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. I can't. Uh, I can't think of anything more awesome. Frankly, I mean, this is this is. Uh, I'm amazed that they. You, you kind of sort of think <clears throat> that they'd have cancelled the flight, though, wouldn't you? I mean, surely. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's clearly not viable unless, obviously, it's it, you know, it's got to come back to to wherever she was going. If you like, is, is that where the where the base? I mean, was? she paid. I mean, was it forty six quid? For wow. for the one way ticket there because she's there for a few months, um, so oh God, I mean, it, let's be honest, it must have cost Jet Two more than forty six pounds to fly that aircraft. Yeah, I think I think, uh, but my guess would be that it was probably it, it had to be positioned there anyway. Otherwise, they would have cancelled the flight if they didn't have to move that aircraft to that airport in that location. Yeah. They would have cancelled it and refunded her. But so the aircraft must have had needed to be positioned, so it didn't matter putting one person on because it had to go there anyway. Yeah. would that make sense to you guys? Yeah, I'm sure the flight yeah, coming back so. yeah. uh, would have been um, would have been uh, fairly full. Otherwise, they would have cancelled it for sure. There's only a couple of people coming back. 
I wonder if she got a choice. But who six. knows? I mean, good for uh, good for Jet Two. A fun airline. Yeah, yeah. Fun is a, a is a is a good word. I like. What do you reckon, Nev? <laughs> good news story or fun? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it is. Isn't it? And um, as Bob says in the chat room, the rest of the story is that there was a full flight back with 180 passengers. So, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's probably likely that it was it was be, be, being positioned anyway. Purely positioned, uh, but yeah. uh, it doesn't matter if the outgoing flight's not very full. Mm. I'd, I'd like to think that if I was if I was her and I was the only person on that aircraft, that perhaps they might have let me on the flight deck during the flight. That'd have been nice. Well, I don't know if they're allowed to. Aren't no, well, they're not. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, you know. it's I me. Don't think so. No, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Oh well, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the next story, yes. and um, well, it's it's obviously one for you, Matt. This is one. it? Does that mean it's a Ryanair story? It could possibly chance. be. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, this is on the MoneyWise uh, website, and the headline is Ryanair delays cabin baggage allowance cuts. Uh, this is obviously to try to try to minimise damage, I suppose. Uh, the airline announced in September that it would no longer let travellers take two pieces of luggage into the cabin in a bid to reduce delays. These cuts were due to be implemented on the 1st of November. But the airline has now pushed back push this back sorry, to the 15th of January 2018. This means that passengers travelling over the busy Christmas period will be able to take one normal case that's 55 centimetres by 40 centimetres by 20 centimetres weighing up to 10 kilograms and one small bag 35 centimetres by 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres with no weight restriction into the cabin. The change will apply to all flights which depart on the 15th of January 2018 or later, regardless of when they were booked. From this date onwards, only priority boarding customers will be allowed to take two bags onto the aeroplane. Priority boarding costs £5 per flight on top of standard ticket price when purchased at the time of flight booking. The airline had also planned to lower charges for consumers looking to check baggage uh, in the hold from the 1st of November, but this policy was brought forward and launched on the 6th of September, which means that Ryanair now charges £25 for each checked bag, £10 cheaper than previously. Uh, at the same time, the weight allowance for these bags rose from 15 kilograms to 20 kilograms. The airline says it hopes these changes will encourage more customers to check in baggage. Ryanair has been a cause of controversy in recent months after cancelling hundreds of flights. Often at the last minute, it now faces legal action from the Civil Aviation Authority after persistently misleading passengers regarding its delays. Uh, let down by the airline, don't take flight, fight back against delays and cancellations, it says. Uh, this is using the Money Mize web website. Uh, I'm not going to read the next bit because it's it, the next line says Kenny Jacobs, so I've immediately <laughs> glazed over. So and, basically, uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you're going to fly with, well, basically, if you're going to fly with Ryanair, do it before the 15th of January. If you don't want to pay any excess charges and stuff, well, it's for, only um, a fiver, and then you then mm. then your baggage allowance doesn't change, does it? I suppose, and then you can pick your seat, can't you? So, it's probably know. a bit of damage control work, I think, here from yeah, Ryanair. Just well, trying. There we are. Mm. You know. Anyway, enough about that. Know. Uh, moving on. Next story. <laughs> Nev. Actually, actually oh, before sorry. we go on with that, oh, go if, on. We, if we can, yeah. I've got and I have an opinion question for you guys. Oh, so okay. Oh, oh, no. bag fee. Okay. Go okay. on. If if they're trying to save money or or save time. And et cetera, and so on with that. Why would you charge for a checked bag? As you can pile checked bags into a plane very, very quickly, where it's carry on bags that always take they the take delay time. trying to find space. Why don't we charge for carry on bags and allow for free checked bags? Ooh, now there's a thought. There is a thought. I don't know. Anybody got any sensible reason as to why um, that might, why that wouldn't work? Any any ideas from our, our resident experts? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is that the, um, uh, the whole thing, they, they keep changing their minds, don't they? One minute they want you to check your bags in, and the next minute um, they want you to put them on the aircraft. So, um, And, of course, it varies between airlines, doesn't it? That's the other problem. So every, everyone is always different. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It, it just seems to me that if Ryanair, which is so, it's so important for them to do a quick turnaround, if you want to speed your turnaround, you get the passengers on and you deal with the bags yourself. Because yeah. the bags slow things down. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is yes. true. Mm. Sorry about that. Didn't no, 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 it's okay. Thought it was no. a good idea. It is a good point. It is, <laughs> no. it is a good point. Well Continue, made. Continue, Micah. Yeah. So uh, the next story then is uh, all for our um, well, our guest in Rio, isn't it? Rio? No, I'm trying to think. No, Santiago. Oh, Chile. That's it. Why don't you just ask Salvador? Salvador. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere. It was somewhere yeah. like that. I'm gonna get Carlos a map. Yeah. Is there's there be vodka in this here glass? So Nev, come on then. It's a BA story. Good luck, everyone. Good luck. Yeah. Here we go. And it's on the mirror.co.uk This one shocked me. It says that says that British Airways is offering more cheap flights for under forty pounds than ever before. And here's the secret to bagging a bargain. And uh, the airline has just announced that it's releasing more seats than ever from London Heathrow for bargain fares of under £40. It's also the first time in the company's history that the bargain prices have been across so many of its routes with 40 of its short-haul winter destinations included in the deal. Um, basically, it's the ideal opportunity for bagging a last-minute bargain, a break in some of Europe's biggest cities or searching out some winter sun before the festive period kicks off. For example, their routes to Palma from £28, Luxembourg from £27, Malaga from £30, and Bilbao in Spain from £30. And that's the, just the tip of the iceberg, it says. The new lower fares also extend to the British Airways Club Europe cabin with seats in business class starting from just £86 each way on selected routes. So you could even add a touch of extra luxury to your, to your trip without breaking the bank. After all, Club Europe also includes separate check-in, increased baggage allowance, lounge access, priority boarding, and complimentary food and drink. With so many deals on offer, it can feel like a mission trying to search out the best offers, but luckily British Airways travel experts have let us in on the secrets for finding the best deals. And the main thing is that um, if you're flexible when you're booking, you've got a much better chance. So the low fares are across a host of UK airports. So if they run out of one destination, it's worth looking into other departure airports where there may still be cheap seats available. Same goes for arrivals. For example, if Milan is booked up, you could consider flying to Turin or flights to Verona, both of which are a short drive away, and you'll get to see more of the country too. And if you combine a flight and hotel, then again, that gives you a much better chance of uh, some flexibility. Um, you can also consider a deposit too, because British Airways Holidays offers customers the chance to pay a deposit of £150 to hold your hotel and flight so you can secure the trip with the cheapest airfares, but spread out the payments for your holiday. And there's also a British Airways low fare finder. This handy tool lets you, you find the cheapest rates on your chosen dates and destination, but it's worth being flexible on the dates in case you could even find a better deal. And uh, that's the name of the game with all of these airlines. If you've got date flexibility, um, just one or two dates either side of when you really wanted to go, um, you can find uh, it's a big price mm. difference. Yeah, that is true. It'd be interesting to see. I've, I've, I might go off on you know online later on tonight and see if I can find one of these fares for said amount, you know, under a hundred pound or under fifty pound. Mm. Yeah. But you're interested to see where they go and you know the times and the, and the sort of times the flights are and stuff and where they leave, you know, in and around <coughs> the UK. But um, 
because you know a lot of the airlines advertise these sorts of prices of flights but when you actually go on the website you can you could just never find them no no but well, the ba know. fares are usually pretty reasonable actually if you have a look on their website or through the app uh, but like nev says you need to be pretty flexible if you're willing to travel on a i don't know a tuesday or something like that mm. uh, then you can get some quite nice fares if you want to go on a friday and come back on a sunday well good luck you're gonna pay a heck of a lot more for that yeah yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, you'd be surprised, you know, go have a look at BA and, and compare it to Ryanair. There's not often not an awful lot of difference. Mm. And in fact, I know a couple of people who've quite often flown out with um, with Ryanair and then come home with BA because that was actually the, the better deal that they could get their hands on at the time. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not always cheapest to come back with the airline you went out with. Do, um, well, do that's s- right. It's always worth checking uh, yeah. um, other... Do SafeJet use, um, is BA kind of SafeJet's preferred supplier for, for getting you back from various destinations around Europe, Pip, when you need to? or mm, Not necessarily. We do get some good rates with BA. Uh, you know, for the UK-based crews, we'll certainly tend to use them more than, than anyone else. But, you know, for the German crews, for instance, they'll usually use Lufthansa or KLM for the Dutch guys. <laughs> mm. uh, but, yeah, I do end up using them a, a fair bit. Right, so moving on to the next story then, and, uh, well, this one is uh, for you, Micah. Yes, the headline, Three Stooges Administration Fouls Up Again. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) New screening. New screening start for all U.S.-bound airline passengers. This is from the Associated Press. And uh, new security screenings for all passengers on U.S.-bound flights began on Thursday with airlines worldwide questioning flyers about their trip and their luggage in the latest Trump administration decision affecting global travel. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. Both American and global airlines must comply, affecting all of the 2,100 flights from around the world that enter the U.S on any given day. The directive is far broader than the earlier Trump administration ban on laptops inside the cabins of some airliners, which only targeted 10 Mideast cities and the airlines. The new rules were met with some confusion. Could you imagine that? Confusion over rules like this? I can't imagine. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) While five global long-haul carriers said they would begin the security interviews on Thursday, each offered different descriptions of how the procedures would take place, ranging from a uh, ranging from a form travelers would be required to fill out to being verbally quizzed by an airline employee. Other carriers insisted their operations remain the same, while some airlines said they had received permission to delay implementing the new rules until January. The security measures affect all individuals, international passengers and U.S. citizens traveling to the United States from the last point of departure international location, said Lisa Farbstein, a spokeswoman for the U.S. Transportation and Security Administration. These new measures will impact all flights from airports that serve as last points of departure locations to the United States. The new rules come at the end of the 120-day window for new U.S. safety regulations to be implemented following the lifting of the laptop ban imposed on some Mideast airlines. They include heightened screening of personal electronic devices and stricter security procedures around planes and in airport terminals, Farbstein said. She did not elaborate. At Dubai International Airport, the world's busiest international travel long-haul carrier, Emirates began questioning passengers about their luggage, liquids they were carrying, and where they were going from, where they were coming from. Passengers also had to have their carry-on bags searched along with their electronics. It urged those flying through Dubai International Airport to allow extra time for flight check-in and boarding. 
these quote these measures will work in complement with current adding with current additional screening measures conducted at the boarding gate it's unquote it said U.S. carriers will also be affected by the new rules. Delta Airlines said it was telling passengers traveling to the U.S. to arrive at the airport at least three hours before their flight and allow extra times to get through security. Other carriers who announced the new regulations on Wednesday included Air France, Hong Kong-based Cathay Pacific, uh, the airlines of Germany's, uh, the airlines of Germany's Lufthansa Group, and Egypt Air. In Hong Kong, passengers described some of the questions they were asked. They asked me if I packed my own bag, where I packed it from, where I came from. They looked at my itinerary to verify where I was, who I was, from where I came from, said Fran Young, who was traveling to Los Angeles. Some showed displeasure. Some showed displeasure? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some showed Uh-oh. Politics. Uh-oh. Yeah. Danger. It's a little, it's a little inconvenient. I kind of just want to get to my printed ticket, get my printed ticket, and then just go inside, passenger Gavin Lai said. I don't want to wait on people to interview me like that. So it's a little annoying. A little annoying. It's just a little annoying. Just slightly annoyed. Sorry. The International Air Transport Association, which represents 275 airlines, did not immediately respond to a request or comment. (laughs) (laughs) However, Vaughn Jennings of the Trade Group Airlines for America said that while the new rules include, quote, complex security measures, unquote, U.S. officials have been flexible. The safety and security of passengers and crew is the highest priority for U.S. airlines, and we remain committed to ensuring the highest levels of security are in place throughout the industry, Jennings said. However, not all were convinced of the new measure's effectiveness. This part of the new, me- the part of the new measures I don't like is that airline personnel are being put back into the security screening process, said Jeffrey Price, an aviation security expert at Metropolitan State University in Denver. Airline ticket agents aren't always the best at conducting security measures. What? Um, okay, no comment there. Sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm really ready to laugh out loud. This is just <laughs> the latest decision by President Donald Trump's administration affecting global travel. So I, th- I think I think I think we've got the gist of the story there. Basically, <laughs> that uh, Donald Trump is doing something something highly controversial, and uh, everybody uh, else is finding ways to sort of get around. Uh, it, I, which said, is, I said which in is the chat enough, room. Yeah. I did say in the chat room that it, I can't it, read out what's mo- what well, most of us have been said in the chat room. But I did <laughs> say in the chat room, it isn't enough for us in from the UK here for, to apply for Esther oh, before we go and all that other. You know, and fill out all the Esther form. Yeah. And, and I, I must admit, actually, uh, uh, Nev is playing a very interesting game. One one game that uh, I've played many a time. Actually, he's playing that really exciting game I like to refer to as Battery Roulette. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Yes. What yes. What is the percentage currently, Nev? And uh, we're, we're we're down to. We're well, it's 57%. Oh, of course, I'm driving my USB interface with it, and also I'm driving the camera yes. uh, with it, and uh, right. there is no PowerPoint <laughs> at all. So I okay. start off with 100%. So uh, let's see how we get on. Let's see how long well, it I, is I, before he falls off. This, this could be a very exciting show. Uh, <laughs> I just need to make one more little political comment Uh-oh. about this before we go. Go, go ahead. And go that ahead. is that Donald Trump must be saying, well, if I can't just ban people from the Muslim countries, I'm going to make it difficult for everybody flying to the USA that'll do it I can just see it I can just feel it exactly happening like that and, and on that slightly terrifyingly controversial note uh, <laughs> I think it's well and let me put out one positive thing that yeah. I just need to say too I just saw Gemma so the best part of the show is oh. Oh. fair enough yeah absolutely oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. so, so here's you. a question yeah go on can I can I 
can I devise the questions? Of course you can, yes. Yeah, why not? Oh, excellent. Yeah. Great. That'll <laughs> be fun. Just make them Have up. Have you ever listened to PTUK? Do you know Matt and Carlos? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> if your answer to this question is yes, yes, then no, you cannot come into the country. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that could be fun. It could I'm be. Gonna, I'm going to write Trump and ask I if should. I can devise the question. <laughs> <laughs> he, he seems so reasonable. I think he might go yeah. for that. He might yeah. well do. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a policy that is not not um, uh, as bad as some of the ones that he's trying to get through. Uh, let's be honest. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I must admit, uh, obviously, uh, I, I'm just very, very nervous about... Um, I don't know. Uh, well, you're careful, going you're there. You're traveling soon from, exactly. a, from an airport. You're going there in a few weeks' time. Be careful now. what you say. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, seriously, exactly. I'm just. I think he's ago, a marvelous person. Over, I was um, at the gate. Was um, pulled aside and asked a bunch of questions along those lines. Really? I don't know if it had anything to do with this, or they were kind of, you know, practicing, ready for introducing the policy. But a young um, Heathrow employee pulled me aside and asked me something. You know, where are you going? Uh, who are you meeting? What are you going for? All that sort of stuff. Um, honestly, you know, I can see how, why some people would be upset and, and irritated by that as a, yeah. an invasion of their privacy. But in the grand scheme of things, I must admit I wasn't too fussed. It took 15 seconds of my life. Brian Coleman's making some amazing comments in the chat room. So well done, Brian. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of which we can read. We're out. not going to read uh, them out no. on air. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. That's a little treat for uh, those of you. So yeah. sorry, audio podcast people. <laughs> uh, but there is no way in in, in a, there's no way I hope in hell that yeah, I can read out yeah. what's going on in the chat room right now. Uh, but uh, all jokes aside, I mean, um, Pip. Um, obviously, because you're there, like in the simulator, do you have to have a different? Um, do you have to have something other than an Esther? Do you have to have a special permit to be able to come to the states and Train. and have training and stuff? Yeah, like I've that? got I've got a crew visa anyhow. Right. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly what sort of visa it is. In fact, I've got okay. two. I've got a B visa. Do you know anything about visas, Jen? I don't. No. Sorry. I've got a B one, C one, maybe even a D one. I don't know what that means. So but I've got, got a couple of visas, <laughs> uh, which lets me in. I've also got the Esther as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of visas too, but mostly I use Mastercard and American Express. Good, oh. right, excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Esther, Esther is um, just what does that stand for, Nev? Esther, uh, electronic something. It's, it's basically um, it's a visa waiver program. Yeah. Jen. So uh, for us, probably for most European countries. Um, and Australians and, and other places like that, you can rather than getting a visa, which is a, a mm. pain in the ass to do, you can just fill in a, a form online and pay your. I think it's fourteen dollars. That is fourteen dollars, uh, and that's good yeah. for two years' yeah. travel. Um, so the theory is, you just arrive in the U.S. and you have a, a printed bit of paper and you hold it up to the machine, and it says "ding, ding, ding," off you go. Actually, uh, the reality is, is you hold it up to the machine and it says. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you've go got it wrong. The, uh, yes. Go and see the customer agent, and they strip search you with a rubber glove and oh wow, all the standard stuff. Oh my, my oh, whole oh, wow, Matt says. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm wow. really excited. I can't wait. On the on the no, on the on the on the, on the just subject. A, just a quick of, thought about the um, uh, the visa thing. It's, I was yeah. really interested because um, because I've come here for a conference or congress. I don't have mm. to. Uh, get a visa from uh, the UK but all of my American colleagues that have come here have had to get visas and really? uh, it takes a long time of course you've got to submit, um, surrender your passport to do all that stuff so a few didn't actually make it because they couldn't get their visa they didn't in get time. their visas sorted wow 
That's a, that's a big thing. That is a big thing. Uh, I mean, you've you got to remember, we're quite privileged, most of us, to be able to travel most of the world without having to get visas. You know, I've mm. spoken to people in other parts of the world um, who would love to travel to the UK or the States or, mm. or wherever, and they can't because they'll just never get a visa. It just won't be approved. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I suppose I, how yeah, we we're, sort of, we're making it sort of uh, yeah, we're sort of making light of it a bit actually. But yeah, it's. Uh, I was going to say actually on the on the note of visas, mm. talking about visas. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, when we go to Dubai next month for the air show, Gemma's um, obviously coming with me. Yes, oh, and that's good. Uh, oh. yeah, Gemma's go, Gemma's actually going across. To, she's not going to the air show, everyone. No, she's Don't going panic. To the air show. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Gemma's actually going across to Oman, which is next door to Dubai. It's mm. only a short flight, just under yeah. an hour flight from Dubai to Oman, and. And she's had to get a visa um, to go there, even though it's only for one day. And uh, that visa to, to enter Oman um, is actually costing her 40 quid, which in US dollars at the moment is about $52. Wow. Uh, is our exchange to, rate really that bad yeah, at the moment? <laughs> Blimey. To, uh, to, yeah, to, act, to enter the country for, well, what was simple well, is 24 hours. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's an expensive old thing, these visa things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, isn't it uh, when you guys came to Pittsburgh? Didn't you have to get a visa for that? That was no, that was just now. an Esther. No, we, I had an we Esther. just did that on an Esther, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was fourteen quid, I think. Yeah, wasn't fourteen it? quid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 14 lasts for three right. years though. Yeah, two yeah. years or two years. Yeah, two three years. years. No, it's two yeah. years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, I've looked it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do we, do we have to have a visa going into Australia? I mean, oh, yeah, God, blimey. Well, no, because it, it's a British territory, isn't it? Oh, okay. So we enough. don't need one. In the same way that technically we don't need one to go to places like India and stuff. So anywhere that's still classed as the British Connolly, Col Connollys, as in Brian Connolly, Brian Connolly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, oh. uh, the colonies, uh, we don't require a, a visa, as far as I'm aware. Obviously, somebody correct me if I've got that wrong. But um, so, like places like Canada and things, we we actually no, we do need one for. Canada. Canada, don't we? Canada, we do. Yeah, you yeah. I think so. An ETA, sure. an ETA. No, no, you don't. No, no. I don't no? You don't need a visa to go to Canada. You do need. They've got their own new uh, ESTA thingy, which they just introduced yeah. last year. So it's a similar thing to the US entry, but that's a very recent. Mm. Um, uh, Shorty actually, saw Shorty Cosgrove in the chat room has said that the ESTA is stands for especially stupid travel, travel application. <laughs> 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 I think definitely that's worthy of that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, moving swiftly on. Oh, must uh, we? I know we can talk about all day about visas. Um, the next story is uh, you, Pip. It's all for you. Ooh, how exciting! Do you want to read it, Jen? No. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> no, let me think about Pips it. always. He's like a coiled cobra. Yes, yeah, yeah, poised, yeah. ready, ready to, to pounce at any moment. Yes. All right, settle down. This is from osbt.com.au. What's the headline? Singapore Airlines brings new Airbus A380 to Sydney in December. Singapore Airlines will fly its newest Airbus A380s to Sydney from December, fitted with the airline's all-new first-class, business-class, premium economy and economy seats. Set to be unveiled at a media event in Singapore on November 2nd, Ahead of the first flight on December 18th, the development follows four years of in-house workshops and customer feedback, presenting an upgrade to the airline's current Airbus A380 cabins, which first uh, debuted on Singapore-Sydney flights back in 2007. The new A380s will have fewer first-class suites, although they'll be larger than the current ones, and have been relocated to the upper deck. Oh, I thought they were on the upper deck anyway, then. I have to ask Steph, she's the expert. Yeah, yeah. 
passengers on flight SQ221 from Singapore to Sydney on December 18th will be the very first to experience the new offering, departing Shangi uh, Airport at 8.40pm for a 7.40am arrival into Sydney. Fascinating. Out of Australia, uh, SQ232 is the flight to book from December 19th, being wheels up in Sydney at 12.15pm ahead of a 5.35 touchdown in Singapore, with the new Airbus A380 to serve these flights daily, with further destinations to be announced over the coming months. Um, oh, a quote from Singapore Airlines Regional Vice President, Mr. Tan Tuor Kaur, says, In some ways, it's the perfect Christmas present. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yes, uh, Carlos picking uh, aviation news-related gold there as per usual. Actually, uh, <laughs> I was looking, I was looking, looking at the, uh, the, the pictures earlier online for, at uh, Singapore Airlines' mm. new first-class suites on the 380, and um, they are rather nice. Are they? Yes. Um, if okay. anyone gets a, gets a chance just to go over to Singapore Airlines' website, you can right. look on there, <laughs> and there's all loads of pictures and videos and stuff of mm. Singapore's new first-class in the A380, and it is, it's rather nice. Is I it? will say that, yes. yeah. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm talking uh, not something beds. that you and I will ever get no. to uh, fly no. on unless uh, one of us wins the lottery or um, that we can persuade them to allow us to have a sort of test flight, if you will. But I can't see mm. that happening any time soon. Have you ever soon. flown on a 380, Jen? Ah, no. Oh, that's a shame. I know. No. Uh, h- how goes uh, the battery roulette, Nev? Uh, not too bad. 51%. I've just changed cameras here, so uh, hopefully it won't be draining quite as much okay. USB power. <laughs> I don't think Mike is having as much luck, though. He's no. still with us. <laughs> Micah! No, apparently not. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll press so on anyway. The so the next, next story. Yeah. Moving on. The next story is uh, is on the Mail Online website, and uh, we're giving you a break. Thank you I'm very much. This one. It's very nice. Of so the, ne- <laughs> the next story is on the Mail Online website. It's uh, it's a Ryanair story, and I thought I'd give Matt a break this oh. week. He only got one. Uh, it's because you screwed up the order, isn't it? That's the only reason. No, 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 no. no I thought I'd give you. I'll let you off this week. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Um, Biz, we've got so many guests on. Oh, you okay, see. right. Yes, um, okay. But uh, the headline. I mean, this is terrible, honestly. So the headline: uh, uh, Cost-cutting Ryanair is accused of ditching soap in the toilet by passengers who were told by staff it's no longer deemed essential on flights. What? So disgusted passengers have hit out at scandal-hit Ryanair, accusing the airline of scrapping toilet or soaps in toilets on flights. Holidaymakers claim they've been unable to wash their hands in the onboard bathrooms with staff telling them that soap is no longer deemed an essential item. Many criticised the budget airline for failing to provide soap despite serving food, while another said, so you've run out again, and when I run out of soap, I go to the shop and spend £1 on some, uh, and (laughs) and spend over £100 for the flight. So passengers have also taken to social media, as they all do these days, especially to Twitter, to vent their fury at the lack of onboard hygiene. Writing on Twitter, Ed Rowlands wrote, So you've run out of uh, soap again? <laughs> and he says that he'd rather go to the shop and spend 100 quid on soap, but I don't know why, quite why he'd want to do that. But uh, they, uh, Kay Leedham uh, said that an air hostess on the flight said uh, that the, we no longer stock uh, the toilets with soap, uh, but they are serving food with the hashtags E. coli and oh, hashtag Ryanair. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I think that's enough of that story, really. I don't, I don't know what that, where did you find that? I know. I just thought it was... I just thought... <laughs> right. I mean, okay. what are they trying to do? Save weight here? I, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think uh, 
we, we need to be sure that that is actually a real story before we get too well, carried away. Well, Twitter certainly thought it was a real story because right. it's with it. You know, I yeah. rather suspect this is just a couple of planes ran out of soap. The Daily Mail <laughs> overreacted a tad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Are you suggesting that the uh, the Daily Mail might have some slightly uh, questionable ju- journalistic tactics uh, in their uh, armory? Uh, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Excellent. Good. They, they dislike Ryanair. Right yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the next story, Matt, is uh, is a bit of a cool story for you. Indeed, absolutely. And uh, yes, if you ever wanted evidence that the stories are in the wrong order, this would be it. Because this is a BA story, funnily enough. And uh, the, <laughs> the headline uh, on the Telegraph newspaper uh, is that the five the five coolest buttons in an a, in a seven four seven cockpit, according to a BA pilot. So one of the greatest pleasures of being an airline pilot, aside from the simple joy of flying, is the opportunity to meet some of the travellers on board our flights. These interactions are particularly fun when they take place uh, in our office, that is, in the cockpit itself. Uh, Cockpit visitors are sometimes possible before departure, depending on our workload. Otherwise, they're often possible after arrival at the gate. Ask your cabin crew if you're interested, and no, you you don't have to be a big kid or be travelling with children to do so uh, or Carlos um, because he's uh, <laughs> you can see yeah. you can just see Gemma nodding in the background there <laughs> look it's just like long suffering wife you know has to sort of be terribly embarrassed for quite a long time while flights Carlos can... flights are often delayed because of Carlos <laughs> she's apparently. not wrong there <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, oh uh, when we do welcome visitors onto the cockpit, they're us- they're, there's usually time for photographs and uh, a few questions. These questions often have to do with numerous controls, buttons and switches that line nearly every surface in the cockpit. How do we ever learn which does what? That's our job, it says in brackets. Uh, how many of those buttons are there? How many buttons are there anyway? Hundreds, it says. <laughs> and uh, which ones are the most important? In a recent book, How to Land a Plane, I talk about how planes work, how they stay up in the sky, and how pilots control them. When I show you around the cockpit in that book, I focus mostly on the big t- ticket items of obvious importance the control <laughs> wheel for banking left or right, the control column to quote a Father Ted inspired flight instructor of mine. Uh, push forward on the column and cows get bigger uh, pull back and cows get smaller I, I point out the throttle or thrust levers the flaps which effectively change the wing size and shape to allow us to fly more slowly and the landing gear lever as important a lever as there could possibly be but there are hundreds of other buttons controls switches and levers in a complex airliner like the Boeing 747 uh, many of their functions are less obvious than the control column a little bit more subtle than the landing gear and they're not always easy for visitors to appreciate but each control but each of these controls uh each controls an utterly ingenious bit of technology or a carefully crafted aspect of what in the wider tech world is now called user experience here are five of the coolest buttons it did say four at the top there so why they've changed their mind i don't know uh buttons and switches to ask it about on your um did it say five okay all right i can't read uh <laughs> your next visit to a cockpit so um uh, number one is the execute or exec key. Um, uh, ne- uh, does uh, does uh, Pip? Do you want to explain what an execute or ex key, ex key is? Yes, it's when you get utterly fed up of your 
captain or co-pilot and you press the execute button. Splendid, excellent. And his uh, <laughs> head falls right off. Excellent. <laughs> button number two is the mode selectors for the uh, inertial reference systems. Uh, please explain, sir. <laughs> uh, an irrational... In the little, in yeah. A, What's that word? Inertial, inertial reference system. It's basically just a, a, um, a system based on gyros, uh, usually laser gyros these days, and it just measures acceleration. So if it knows for how long it's been going in a particular direction, um, then it can work out exactly Very cool. where you are. It's uh, just a fancy little bit of kit to navigate with. Uh, cool button number three are the start switches, apparently. So I don't know how... Um, <laughs> One button constitutes, constitutes switches, but anyway. I think there's more than one button to press to start <laughs> Is an there, right? Yeah. Okay. In Pip. an environment as complex as an airliner cockpit, there is a huge premium put on simplicity, on buttons that do just what it says on the tin. Visitors to the cockpit often ask how we start the engines, and it's hard to answer without sounding as if we're dumbing it down. But it really is almost that simple. To start the engines, pull the start switch, and then move the master switch for each engine to run. It's basically so if this, if this was that. on the APG show, yes. someone will be now saying to Jeff, yeah. uh, you know, how do you start the engines? And it would be like, by the crank handle. By the crank the handle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's... Uh, Sorry, Jeff. Let's, uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> button number four is the mic slash interphone uh, switch, presumably one that you use on a regular basis, Pip. Yeah, I, honestly, if I was going to find the top five most exciting buttons in the cockpit, yes, this I, would not be in my list. No. <laughs> this would probably be at the bottom. Uh, right, honest. yes, okay. And finally, number five, the external power, ext power ext control power. switches. And what what do they do? What are they? Are you asking me again? Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I've not read this. I'm guessing it's just to turn on and off the external power. Let's read it. It says, one of the simplest but best questions that we're asked, often by children, I find that hard to believe, uh, has to do with how an aircraft is powered while it's parked at the gate. After all, its engines are shut down. What's keeping the lights on? Uh, okay, so he goes on to talk about APU, which is an auxiliary power unit, or uh, a GPU, which is a, a ground power unit. Uh, and the button to turn them on and off. I've got to say, he's picked the five most boring switches. In <laughs> so come on, come on in, Pip. For, for, the, for the benefit of the story, then, what would be your five uh, favourite switches, then? To, uh, oh to god i would have gone something like the the fire button the fire you know, button. You okay. things on fun you can you can press the fire button it'll hopefully put the fire out all right. oh right okay, uh, okay. <laughs> i would have gone for the um what else the well, ejector sure. seat if you're flying an Airbus, the land button. The land button. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stop go button. Yeah, that, although I don't want to push anybody's buttons here, yes. but if it's an Airbus, there's the takeoff button and the land button. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then uh, probably uh, the button that uh, Matt mentioned right at the start of the story, the big titted button. A big button. I missed that one. We all heard you, Matt. We all heard you. The one, the, the colored one, the big tinted button. Tinted button. Tinted. Sorry. Tinted. As a passenger, <laughs> I have a favorite button too, and it's the call button because it always brings me another drink. <laughs> anyway, family show, ladies and gentlemen, family show. Uh, <laughs> you okay. said it, Matt. Yeah, yeah. the whole know. chat room heard you. Did they? All right. I can't see the chat room right now. Thank oh. goodness for that. I dread to think what kind of abuse I'm currently receiving. So, Nev, oh, if you're still there, if are you're still, you still with there? us. Speaking of the big tinted button, Nev. <laughs> um, 
Hello? Nev, Nev's going to be... Nev, Nev's next story is, is about lo- something big. As long as we're not referring to him as a big tit, that's absolutely No, 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 fine. no, no. A big bum. Well, that, anyway, that Nev, carry on. That would not surprise me. <laughs> no, no, so, uh, what do you put in your drink this week, uh, Carl? But it's another <laughs> slightly vulgar story. Right. And, um, <laughs> it, it, but it is from the mirror.co.uk, so that's to be expected. Yes. And it says the world's biggest aircraft, known as the Flying Bum, to carry tourists on luxury air cruises to the North Pole. And this is a story about the British company, which is behind the world's biggest aircraft, affectionately known as the Flying Bum, has announced plans to launch a tourism version of its low-carbon airship. Hybrid air vehicles have signed a deal with aviation design consultancy Design Q for the design and manufacture of the uh, Airlander's TENS, sorry, Airlander TENS luxury cabin interior. £50,000 grant by the UK's innovation agency, Innovate UK, to develop the tourist airship. The company is also teaming up with British luxury travel expert Henry Cooks and Adventures to trial an expeditionary tour uh, journey in 2018 as a precursor to the airline's use in the travel and adventure sector. Uh, If the trial is successful, Henry Cookson plans to take the Airlander to a range of destinations at client request from the North Pole to the Bolivian salt pans and the Namibian desert. The ability to stay aloft for days at a time in virtual silence with floor-to-ceiling windows and fresh air make Airlander perfect for cruising in exceptional locations, says hybrid air vehicles. Though potentially capable of staying in the air for weeks at a time, it is her ability to land anywhere that truly sets her apart from traditional aircraft. These twin assets make her perfect for uh, exclusive adventures, bringing guests to -to hard-to-reach locations in unprecedented levels of comfort. And whilst hybrid uh, air vehicles has not yet put a date on Airlander's launch as a tourism aircraft, these two partnerships represent a significant step forward towards that goal. I have flown Airlander a number of times now and I'm really excited about the possibility of taking the first passengers on board, says Airlander Chief Test Pilot David Burns. Which, if you look at the word Burns, does actually look like bums. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, I... I can imagine the awe and excitement of seeing the world in luxury with amazing views, quietly and whilst respecting the environment. Measuring 302 feet in length, the Airlander 10 is about 60 feet longer than the biggest airliners, the the Airbus A380 and Boeing 747-8. Uh, and to put the size of the airship into perspective, it's the length of a football pitch and as high as six double-decker buses. It costs £25 million to make and can fly for five days straight, carrying around 10 tonnes of cargo, and it can take off and land from unprepared sites in desert, ice, water, or open field environments. That sounds like a fascinating and uh, very flexible vehicle. So it's going to offer something very different for those people that want that special experience. Mm. But actually traveling in something uh, called uh, a bum, or <laughs> a bum line, or whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, I find extraordinary. Yes. Isn't uh, you know that special experience of a flying bum a service you usually have to pay extra for? Oh dear! <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I was just telling. Uh, let's move past that one. Yeah. Uh, I was just telling Jen that they're building this from just just down the road from where I live at um, at Cardington. There's a picture I took of it just uh, over the summer. Um, oh, they are. If you can yes. see, but you can see yeah. the hangars in the background. These hangars. This is at Cardington. These hangars are absolutely huge. They often use this as. Um, a soundstage for movies. They make quite a few James Bond movies there. And they're mm. huge. You can see them from miles away. And this thing, in comparison to those hangars, you can... It's, uh, it's quite a cheeky number, actually, isn't it? 
But I think this is great. This is really where I see, uh, you know, it's never going to be doing any mass transportation of passengers or or maybe cargo, you never know. But Mm. you can imagine going on safari or something, just uh, floating over the Serengeti for a couple of days Mm. in one of these things and looking down and watching the world below you. That would be fantastic. I I hope they don't have the same issues they did when they had the uh, the test flight um, back in uh, 2016. Which I was playing the video footage for, actually, while while that that story um, was being read. That that was a bit... um, uh, yeah, well, it every, it, it, it every few landed. years, yeah. um, every few years, this, you know, idea comes about, and some company is developing it, and this is the latest one. And uh, what always comes up with the is the issue is that this is a fair weather flyer. You know, you can yeah. only if you're going to have clear weather, and you know it's going to be clear, and you're not going to come up on any wind gusts or bad weather or things like that. It's fine. But uh, in terms of its ability to fly and its ability to do things, you know, they were doing this in the 1920s and 30s yeah. with the with the Zeppelins. It's it's no difference in size in some of those. It's just a question that but it can't I, handle wind and weather. But then that's again, a really good I suppose point, Micah, actually. I I wonder how. Um, how resistant it is to those sorts of things. Obviously, high winds, it's not going to be able to cope with. But also, what, what you were you know, saying there, like, snow if, and it ice. Was, if it was, say, ha- hanging over the sort of, you know, so the, the wilds of Africa or whatever, and you're there for a couple of days watching, uh, you know, wild wildlife going through the motions, if you see what I mean. Actually, I mean, weather in those parts of the world is quite predictable uh, on the whole. And so, actually, you could take it to somewhere like there, and it could literally sort of suspend itself there for a few, you know, a couple of days while, you know, on, on safari, if you like, to to watch. But, but could it? It's a course. tropical rainforest in many of those areas, so you're always going to get weather in the afternoon, kind of like, you know, in True. Florida and other True. places. I, I've, I've never traveled there. Brian could tell us better than yeah. than, uh, than anyone else. He's just come from there. Mm. But uh, Jonathan Warner's made a good point in the chat room that uh, that, that crash that the uh, airlander had um, mm. last year was the slowest crash ever. Yes, the slowest crash. Like yeah, ever. I think yeah. to describe it as a crash is a bit, a bit much. Bit it, a it, it sort of bumped into a, a telegraph pole or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a fender bender at yeah. most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Joan? Would you uh, have a, a fly in the big bum? Uh, no. You don't want to go in the <laughs> no, giant bum? I don't think so. No. 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 I thought that would be... <laughs> Right up your alley. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay, Obviously family not. show again, ladies and gentlemen, family show. Uh, <laughs> Matt's getting very nervous now. Uh, it's time to move on, I think, Carlos. Next so, Micah, <laughs> Micah, next one is for you, Micah. Well, thank you. This has a wonderful headline, and I, when I first read it, I just cracked up, and it's cracked me up again <laughs> because it's United Airlines. This is the headline. United Airlines' latest perk, boarding passes on other airlines. What it says to me, just reading the headline, is United Airlines' latest perk, get your boarding pass with us, fly anybody else you wish. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's much more like it, yes. <laughs> but reading the story, United Airlines doesn't offer nonstop flights between Baton Rouge and Istanbul. It's a 23-hour trip. <laughs> Why? Okay. It's a 23-hour trip involving two other airlines in an effort to dull some of the pain and perhaps a sprint around to an unfamiliar airport. United is now giving passengers access to their boarding passes on connecting legs provided by other airlines. Travelers using United's app can download all their boarding passes and itineraries that include both United and one of its 19 partner carriers, such as Lufthansa or Turkish Airlines. The carrier said Tuesday it's added that uh, in its first... uh, it's added that it's the first U.S. carrier to offer that feature. Um, the move makes the humble boarding pass the latest battleground for airlines. Earlier this month, Delta Airlines said travelers with its app can check in automatically for flights. 
there are a few catches, however. United travelers won't be able to use the feature if the first leg of their trip isn't on a United flight, a spokeswoman told CNBC. That means that it can't be used on some U.S.-bound itineraries. Also, travelers who separately book a ticket in United's basic economy, a new class of service, and I'm going to add editorially the lowest class available, <laughs> that prohibits passengers to access the overhead bins and seat assignments in exchange for a lower fare, are not able to combine tickets with other airlines, so they can't access the feature the spokeswoman added. Anyway. Right. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, I, I, it sounds like it would be very handy, you know, if I'm, you know, flying on United and, uh, and going someplace where they, you know, starting here on United and going someplace where they don't connect to to have your boarding pass already in hand. And there is one from, person in know, the chat room who's very excited about the whole prospect. Right. Brian. Okay. Yeah, Brian, is, he's, he's, <laughs> he's well up for this idea. Is he? Right. Because yes. he's obviously uh, one of United's biggest uh, fans. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, supporters. I supporters, think is, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah. Whether he wants to or not. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But well, speaking of Brian, I need to bring this up because you're going to have to have him as a guest on very soon. And do you know why? <gasps> Ooh, I don't know. Go on. Brian, in the next couple of weeks, I can't remember exactly the date, he is flying to Singapore. <gasps> and he's flying to Singapore, a 17-hour flight. He will arrive at approximately 7 a.m., has a bit of work to do, and then will turn around at noon that same day wow. and fly back to the USA in a 15-hour flight. And I think that's a good reason to have <laughs> him on because I think that would be a wonderful interview to find out what it was like that, that, to be in the air for all those hours. That sounds like Just a compulsory a Nev's passenger experience. Experience, I think, I know. actually. <laughs> and any donations no, November 5th of, uh, to 7th, that's when he's doing it, wow. and it's really only, you know... That's, uh, yeah. I was going to say, any donations of coffee, please uh, forward uh, yeah, them I on to so, yeah. uh, Brian. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think so. I think he'll need them. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm wondering yeah. if he's going to have time to answer all those questions that you have to answer now. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to have time to fill in the uh, the various questionnaires that are now required to travel from the States to anywhere else? They might get there and just spend all his time answering questions and then coming right back. That's my concern. <laughs> It's a very good point. Uh, <laughs> so, Pip, the next story, a uh, bit of a bit of a space agey type story for you. Okay, I'd actually delegated this to Jen, but she's oh, not going to act together at all here. Oh, blind! No. So let me find the story. Hang Sorry. on. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Okay. Uh, whilst that's, that's going on, how, how goes battery roulette, Nev? <laughs> Nev. Oh, forty percent. Forty. Yeah, it's stabilised at the moment, but of course, you know what happens with these things, it suddenly goes low, doesn't it? But, it uh, does, indeed. But we're carrying on regardless. <laughs> Greetings to Dr. Steph. Dr. Uh -oh. Steph, as always, is listening to the show on her drive home from oh, work. So Hello, cool. Steph. <laughs> uh, how are we getting on, Pip? We're ready. Excellent. Okay. Far away, far so away, far away. All right, this is from the thecosmosinternational.com. Uh, Aurora explores turboelectric aircraft concept. Ooh. This is quite a cool story. Uh, the autonomous systems specialist, now a Boeing subsidiary, is working to develop hybrid propulsion concepts for future commercial transport aircraft. Aurora Flight Sciences has been awarded a NASA contract to perform a comprehensive evaluation of a hybrid propulsion concept for a future single-aisle commercial transport aircraft that promises to yield substantial fuel efficiency benefits. There's a lot of big words in these paragraphs, so bear with me. <laughs> the concept includes, and here come some of these big words, by the way. The concept includes a tail cone mounted boundary layer ingesting propulsor driven by a turboelectric propulsion system. 
Wow. The so-called single-aisle turbo-electric aircraft with aft-boundary layer propulsion concept also features conventional underwing gas turbine engines. Aurora is in the process of being acquired by Boeing, which clearly sees potential in the company's autonomous and hybrid electric concepts, ranging from urban taxis to Boeing 737-sized aircraft. Uh, Aurora is currently leading the development of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency uh, with the XV-24A Lightning Strike, a 12,000-pound hybrid electric aircraft with three megawatts of electric power driving 24 electric fans. Aurora recently flew a fully autonomous battery-powered subscale version of the XV-24A, which also serves as the basis for Aurora's work on urban mobility platforms. In April 2017, Aurora was selected as one of Uber's industrial partners for the Uber Elevate program. Sounds fun. Uh, last paragraph, Aurora is also developing the D8, a commercial airliner designed for the 150 to 180 seat market using composite structures, boundary layer ingestion, ingestion and high levels of autonomy. The D8 promises up to 50% reductions in fleet while fleet-wide fuel burn over wow. designs currently in use. Goodness me. That is quite... I mean, if they pull that off, that is a huge saving, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I must admit, I didn't really know what this was, so I, I did Google it. Mm. Boundary layer ingestion. Um, it's probably easier to design than say. Right. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically... Um, the boundary layer air around the aircraft is... Yeah. is um, very draggy. It accounts for a lot of the drag of the aircraft. So if you can sort of get rid of that somehow, then uh, the aircraft, you know, becomes more efficient. So doesn't need so much power. Uh, the problem is this boundary layer air. It's all very whirly and turbulent, and, and engines generally don't like whirly, turbulent air. They like nice, smooth air. Um, so what they're doing is designing a some sort of uh, engine. We'll call it. I'm not sure if it's quite an engine as you'd think of in the traditional jet engine sense. But it's an engine that's built into the fuselage. It's like got a couple of intake holes in the back of the fuselage. And this boundary layer air, this turbulent air is, is funneled into there. And somehow this clever engine is then able to make use of that, uh, that turbulent air and uh, accelerate it out the back of thrust. So you're not actually get rid of, getting rid of any drag, but because you're reusing it, that air, um, you're getting a in overall drag and efficiency. So I read somewhere that they said they could reckon they can get an extra 10% uh, efficiency by using this system, which is, you know, that's a pretty big deal. It is. It is a big. Uh, it is a big saving. And I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, an aircraft of that size. I mean, how many people do you think they might be able to, sort of, you know, in a passenger configuration? How many people do you think they might be able to put on it? Oh, no, I don't. I mean, this is a very, very um, early stages, I think, yeah, yeah. this technology. Yeah. I think what they're saying, they, they want to use this technology to supplement current right. technology. Okay. So, you know, I think yeah. we're a long, long way off seeing this, you know, a purely, a, um, what do they call this, boundary layer ingestion-driven aircraft. Mm. But they might, you know, start fitting it to something more conventional to see, yeah. you know, test the True. technology. 
And that's really interesting, too, because the boundary layer ingestion, they actually built, and I wish I could remember, I've been trying to find it, uh, a uh, test fighter aircraft in the uh, early 60s. It had boundary layer ingestion built into it, and they found that it worked really well, uh, other than uh, at that time, they didn't have the technology to uh, to have the fuel burn with the increased boundary layer ingestion uh, issues to uh, that make up for the uh, the savings that they had from, from doing that. But now the technology has developed so much further that they can uh, actually, uh, you know, they're, they're working on it to really make it work for real, and it's it's fascinating. It is, yeah, no, mm. it's good stuff. Uh, right, but Jen's the real expert. What do you think, Jen? I'm really glad you looked that up because I had absolutely no idea what that meant. <laughs> so thank it's you. Right. you. You're not alone, Jen. I haven't got a clue what's going on either. This, yeah. but that that's just standard for me, to be fair. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the next story then, and I think Nev should take this one. So this is on the USA Today. Oh, I'm glad you gave me plenty of notes of that uh, <laughs> because I haven't actually uh, got it loaded up. But, but don't worry, I'm sure we can uh, cope with that if the old internet will uh, will play ball. Oh dear. Um, anyway, yes, this, as Matt says, the the, uh, the story is on USA Today, and it says about uh, airlines cope with higher fuel prices, and that could mean higher. Fares. Airlines are bracing for escalating fuel costs this year, and that could lead to higher fares. Fuel, which is often an airline's largest expense after salaries, cost more at the five largest airlines compared with last year during the first nine months of the year. American Airlines said Thursday uh, that aircraft fuel and related taxes were up nearly 20% to nearly $4.5 billion. Delta Airlines said uh, on October the 11th that uh, aircraft fuel and related taxes were up 9% to $4.2 billion. JetBlue said on Tuesday that fuel and related taxes were up 27% to $994 million. Uh, Southwest on Tuesday said that fuel and oil costs were up 8% to $2.9 billion. And United said on October the 9th, fuel cost was up 18% to $5 billion. And uh, airlines expect that uh, to continue too. Delta Estian expects to spend $400 million more dollars on fuel during the time projected three months ago. Derek Kerr, American officer, projected a 16% hike in consolidated fuel prices three months of the year compared with last year. If the high prices remain stubborn rather than the short-term spike, American CEO uh, Doug Parker warned on Thursday that fares could follow. Fuel spikes could impact, Parker said, but if it's just uh, increases, given where we are, I think what you'll see is fares level uh, rise to levels to offset much of the fuel price increase. And airlines rose, uh, rose cheap fuel to record-shattering profits in recent years. They reported after-tax net income of $24.5 billion in 2015 and $13.5 billion last year, according to the Transportation Department. So this is a, a, another situation, again, where one of the highest costs that you have uh, in aviation, obviously, is fuel. And although they'll tr try to hedge that as much as they can, so they'll try and buy lots of it uh, when it's cheap, um, the, the slightest tweak in um, uh, the uh, cost of oil and uh, the cost of refinement, that kind of thing can have a massive effect and obviously that gets passed on to the passenger at some point i mean at the moment we do still seem to be very much in a in a situation where where f sort of despite these these quite extreme fluctuations sometimes in in the fuel price we are on the whole seeing flights still go down in price aren't we or at least not sort mm -hmm. of going yeah. up in the level 
you know, in in a level uh, that we're seeing the 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 fuel prices go up. I mean, it, it's yeah. Um, I think airlines certainly try to you know build in a, a sufficient amount of margin so they don't have to keep varying mm. the fares all the time. But of course, it'll get to a point where the the fuel costs have gone up so high mm. and they will have to make a change to it. Certainly, yeah. but these are quite eye watering figures. Uh, just reading those, I must say they are. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I mean, just uh, out of interest, um, Pip. Obviously, I mean, you, the the industry that you flying is is very different to to what i called you know the mr joe blogs world but i mean do do your prices i don't suppose you i don't know whether you'd know necessarily if uh, get a cheaper deal yeah yeah they, do they fluctuate sort of based on on fuel costs and things is it, or is it whatever deal has been done with the customer essentially oh from a, a customer point of view um yeah a tricky one i suppose i don't know actually everyone uh, the people who fly with us I believe they all have their own sort of contracts, so yeah. maybe they've negotiated something. Do you know if uh, you know, like a lot of the uh, the other air, big airlines do? Does SafeJets uh, hedge their fuel in terms of buying ahead of time, and uh, and in terms of those marketing decisions? Yeah, and we, we we've got a, a fuel team uh, in the the head office who deals with this sort of stuff. So yeah, at our at our bigger locations, uh, we certainly would, and we have contracts at most airports. Uh, for fuel yeah. um, and fuel prices, you'd be amazed how wildly they differ. Really, um, you know, by as much as two, three hundred percent sometimes. Gosh, um, two, we have a fuel index which is based on the price of fuel at Geneva, and we call that one hundred. Yeah. So if you go somewhere where the fuel index is is eighty, then yeah. it's obviously twenty percent cheaper. But you often go to somewhere where the fuel index is three hundred and something. <gasps> it's goodness. the same fuel. Yeah, it just, it's just you know some airports Char charge charge more. more. It's a shame, shame, shame you didn't get a chance to use your fuel card. You'd, you'd have so many points, you'd be able to buy your own jet. <laughs> Funnily enough, they, there was a few airports. Should I say this? Oh, I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Uh, we had a few airports where you could do that. You could use a, like a particular credit card, yeah, uh, and you could give it to the fueler, and he—I don't know what he did with it. Mm. Um, so we, we did. This is quite a few years ago. We did have one person who uh, turned up in. Rotterdam it was and fueled up their aircraft and got the points for it and saw there was another safe jets aircraft sitting there and decided to fuel that one up as well to claim the points and it caused havoc because it was then overweight for takeoff and that particular person ended up losing their job over yes, that I can imagine yes absolutely yeah that's, but that's but so he good. did have enough points yeah. for an inflatable Toy. Yeah, or a toaster, or, or a toaster. Yeah, that absolutely. was the main thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Jen, oh. do you get involved in um, fueling and fuel prices here at Galant? Yeah. It's uh, a medium-sized airport in the west. I don't. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I no, I don't get involved directly. But um, at our cargo airport, the airport authority runs the FBO. So uh, since the FBO does all the fueling down there, we are involved somewhat. Mm. And I get the lovely task of uh, paying the taxes on the fuel. Oh, oh try not to be jealous. Yeah, happy yeah, days. Yeah, very exciting. Duh. And do you know? Do you uh, you know if you came to one of your airports, do you charge everyone the same price of fuel, or do you have special deals for? I'm not involved on that level, really? so I don't know. But I'm going to be hopefully visiting the FBO here in a little bit, uh, and I will ask because that's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we go. fast. Yep. 
I'll find out. Am I the only one sat here old enough to remember the the, the tiger points that you used to get with Esso? Was it ti- oh, tiger God, tokens yeah. or whatever you used to get? Blue chip Put a tiger in your with, tank. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. I'm oh, sure blimey. that was like. And I, I actually, I mean, somebody I know. That, oh, this is to do with driving, obviously not uh, not aviation. But I know somebody that actually literally went up and down the country and only ever used Esso, and it took him. Oh. Something ridiculous like <laughs> like nearly nine years to get that television that they boasted you could actually get on those on those things. And that was literally by using SO and no one else. And he drove up and down the country all day, every day, and it took him like something ridiculous like nine years to to get enough points to for get something. to get a mug and a pen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, there we are. So, <laughs> you know, fuel, fuel hedging is uh, in terms of what airlines do is no joke. Uh, Southwest uh, Airlines grew to the state that it is based on the last major fuel crisis and they had hedged so well with their fuel that uh, they were making a fortune compared to other airlines because they were paying very little for the fuel they'd already uh, purchased you know their options and their contracts went back when fuel was cheap and everybody was paying a lot more and uh, Delta where the past few years ago were vertically integrated and purchased a refinery in New Jersey so that they own their own refinery and were refining their own fuel in order to uh, save money so uh, it, it's a major uh, cost factor for the airlines and a major cost-saving uh, means to, to save costs in general when they, when they work it that way. Yeah, uh, Brian, Brian's just saying in the chat room, chat room he remembers green stamps. <laughs> green stamps? <laughs> green stamps. Blimey. Yeah, I remember. The, uh, you, you got your windshield stamps, didn't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the yes. last story in the commercial news segment this week, and this is probably one that uh, Pip will be able to make a good comment on because uh, Pip has flown into here a few times, I Yeah, do I like believe. the story. Uh, this one's on the eveningstandard.co.uk site. The headline, London City Airport unveils £400 million redevelopment plans to mark its 30th anniversary. So a tiny little bit more than what they spent on Luton then. Yeah, yeah. by three. <laughs> <laughs> million. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So London City Airport has marked its 30th anniversary by unveiling artists' impressions of a planned £400 million uh, redevelopment. The uh, privately funded project includes extending the terminal to accommodate more passengers, building seven new aircraft stands and creating a parallel taxiway to boost runway capacity. The revamp was given the go-ahead by ministers in July last year. Two million more passengers a year will be able to use the airport from 2025 with 30,000 additional flights annually. The East London Airport is also building the UK's first digital air traffic control tower which will begin operation in 2019. Mm, controversial. Four and a half million passengers used London City last year and around 50 routes are now served by the airport. The first commercial flight at the airport was operated by Bryman Airways with 40 passengers flying from Plymouth. Its location close to the centre of the capital has made London City pe- uh, particularly popular with business travellers. The airport's chief executive Declan Collier said that over the past 30 years London City Airport has become an in intrinsic part of London's transport system, growing responsibly to a record-breaking 4.6 million passengers annually in 2016, creating local employment and connecting business and leisure travellers within the UK, Europe and beyond. As we celebrate uh, this anniversary, we look to a bright future ahead and the world-class transformation which is soon to commence. The City Airport Development Programme represents the opportunity to 
create an airport of the future which will help meet the demand in the London market and increase connectivity. The redevelopment was formally approved by the Transport Secretary Chris Grayling and Communities and Local Government Secretary Sahi Javid after uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan withdrew his predecessor Boris Johnson's objection to the airport buying public land to expand. Mr Khan said the Newlick Airport would bring much needed new employment to the area and show that London is open to trade and commerce globally. London City Airport has said the project will create 2,000 new staff and construction jobs and will add an extra £750 million to the UK economy per year. So now that sounds quite cool. Now we now I, I I'm going to ask a question here because obviously uh, Nev does a lot of flying as well. And before his battery goes, just out of curiosity, Nev, have you have you flown out of uh, City Airport much? I have, yes, um, not recently, but uh, certainly done a few trips to uh, Spain and Portugal on BA City Flyer. Mm. Um, so been on there one four six and. Um, what else did they run out of there? I forget what aircraft that was at Embryo series, maybe. Possibly. But, um, yeah, and um, yeah, it's a great little airport. Uh, the only trouble with it is, of course, now is that it's getting very busy and uh, there's mm. Um, mm. not so much room in the sort of departure lounge area. Having said that, it's a very quick transition from checking in, uh, going through departures and getting yeah. on the aircraft. So, so it's a great job, actually. I, so I, think, I, think, I mean, it's fair to say, I think, that this, is, this airport is sort of predominantly aimed at what I call the business mm. traveller, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's a quick yeah. link in central London to sort of other parts of the world. I mean, I mean do you feel that, that it will benefit from it? I mean, does it, does it look tired? Does it, does it need a bit of a facelift? Yeah, it's it's been like it is. I mean, apart from the runway extension that they did a few years ago, uh, there's some other uh, in, in, internal improvements that they've made. But it is the size that it is, unfortunately. Um, so it's that they're very restricted about how big they can make the terminal. Mm. But uh, I think probably um, with a bit of a, a refresh and a makeover, it will it will certainly help. But it does look a, a bit tired in places, certainly. Yeah. It, it desperately needs a lounge, an executive lounge, doesn't it, Nev? It's, um, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Pip, yeah. what's uh, what, what's the airport like to fly into from the pilot's perspective? Um, it's nice. I, two things to say about this story. First of all, yeah, the electronic control tower you just mentioned. Uh, I don't know if you covered this story, but Cranfield University, who own and operate Cranfield Airfield, uh, are also, as part of their aerospace research department, going to convert their tower into a, an electronic tower mm. so they may actually be before london city so they may be the first uh, to do that but anyhow uh, from a, a piloty point of view it's a bit cramped uh the apron out on london city as never will, will tell you it's mm. very tight which restricts it a, a little bit for the aircraft that can use it uh, you've got to have a really um tight turning radius to be able to get in and out uh, but the major thing if this all goes ahead, will be the parallel taxiway. That will be the big improvement mm. for me. If I just show you this little map here, this is the uh, London City taxi chart. I can just move my microphone out of the way. You can see, ooh, at the moment, the only point to enter the runway is just here. But if they're landing and taking off on 27 here, what you've got to do, you've got to let one guy land, go, let him go past, then you can get onto the runway and you've got to go back and then you go backtrack around this little loop 
and it's okay. not very efficient way of, of doing things. Uh, you know, the, the controllers there do it very well. They use what they've got very well. But if there was a parallel taxiway running all the way down here, yeah. then you could really increase. Mm. You could r r increase your turnover almost. You can turn a, you can turn turn flights around uh, in and out it's faster, I presume. Meters long. Hello, Pip. You still there? It seems to have disappeared. It seems to have disappeared. Oh, no. oh, did he come back? No. No. But we see there, Pip. But, uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, Pip's explaining. His, his, his Skype's frozen there. Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. It? There he comes. There he's back. Yeah, no, he was. He's gone. He's gone. Uh, oh. But <laughs> okay. there we go. We, anyway, we heard from the pilot's yes, yeah, perspective absolutely. there. Yeah, it, it, it is. Was it, uh, was it London City about a year ago where uh, the protesters broke through the fence and were on the runway? That's it, yeah. Or was that? Yeah. Yes. There was something similar yes, in Stanford was, as well, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, because they were protesting this, the expansion. Is that what was going on? Or was it protesting the expansion at LHR? Yeah. Or both? It could be. Any, yeah, probably uh, yeah, both. Uh, I, think it I think it was, yes. I think it was the uh, plain stupid uh, brigade. That did that, I think. <laughs> okay, good. What, what, uh, yeah, Pip, what's the, what is the largest? Is it the, the largest? Right in thinking, the largest aircraft that flies in and out of there is the is it the Airbus 318 or... Yeah, the three twenty or the Embraer one ninety. Okay. Uh, sorry, I th did we drop offline there for a second? A little, just little briefly. Bit. Just yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. hopefully you got the gist of what. Yeah, you no, did, very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah no, that's it's good. Great, yeah, Mike, great. Mike was right. They've had several um, groups break in and uh, occupy the uh, the airport, mm. and one of those they actually chained themselves to one of our aircraft. Oh no! <laughs> Monkeys, they handcuffed themselves to the undercarriage. Yeah. That's that's. I'm not curious. Idea. It says privately funded project so the accountant me wonders exactly how that's happening uh, i mean that's that's a, that's a very complicated question uh, jennifer that, that um, <laughs> is very difficult for us here in the uk to answer because we have several hospitals here in the uk that have been privately funded uh, and the short answer is basically that b business pays for it and rents it back to the government for an ex no doubt an exorbitant fee over many billions of years uh, it's, yeah, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think London City is a privately you know it's a private company it's private, so right okay airport, as are most airports as far as I'm aware mm, yeah no fair point yeah I'm actually just looking at the picture on here on this news story. There's an aerial shot of uh, mm. London City Airport, mm. and uh, I just wondered if it'd be lovely to have one of those apartments just there off the threshold. <laughs> yeah, for you. Uh, yeah, for I, me, I don't yeah. know. I don't know so much for Jennifer. <laughs> for for um, uh, Gemma, Gemma, I don't think yeah. she'd like that quite so much. I have to say because I, I recently uh, when I was in London, I actually uh, they, what do they call it? I think it, it is an airline. I think they call it the Emirates, Emirates, oh, the Emirates uh, um, Airway thing, yeah, uh, yeah. which is the cable car that goes. Um, from Greenwich to uh, I'm not entirely sure where does it terminate can't remember anyway it just it just goes across the dock it's that's right 100 meters or so yeah something like that it literally just crosses the Thames the essentially yeah. um, but it is interestingly enough if you if you time it right which I did and unfortunately I didn't get my camera out fast enough but if you time it right you are literally uh, you literally have an aeroplane sort of more or less take over right take off like directly at you and go over the top of you it, it is uh if you time it right uh, as an aviation enthusiast it is one of the best views uh of takeoff i think you'll ever find actually if you time it right it is uh yeah it is a nice airport for because you can wander right up uh to the runway threshold almost there's a, a bridge that crosses mm. I can't which threshold it is now 
You can. It's yeah. a zero nine. In fact, actually, I'm staying. So it's on the zero nine threshold. Yeah. In fact. It's on the zero and when, nine. when I'm in, when I'm in London in a couple of weeks' time, because once I come back from New York, I'm then in London for a week, and uh, we're actually staying at the at the the Premier Inn that's that's adjacent Ooh, to the airport. So very nice. I know the one. Yeah, because so because we're in, we're actually in the XL um, live show from there. Then. Uh, live show from there. Then oh, I'll good. see if I can get it get a balcony and like you know like some aeroplanes. But it, it remains one of my favourite airports to fly into for a, a looking out the window point of view. Yeah. Uh, Night approach on runway zero nine. Oh, I bet is just gorgeous. You fly low level right over the city, I've turn around that. the shard, wow. over Canary Wharf and in. It's it's gorgeous. I mean, and actually, and all, all jokes aside, for like the sort of passengers that that let's be honest, Pip, you're flying around. I mean, that is that is a stu- You know that that it's almost worth it just for that view, isn't it? Because uh, London is amazing at night. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, nice to look out the window. Mm. Indeed. So that is where we are going to bring the commercial news segment to a close this week. Uh, we have got, uh, well, we have got a, an awesome segment coming up next from yep. Nev, and I think we'll leave that to Nev to introduce, as always, this week. Thanks very much, Carlos. Yeah, this uh, was recorded when I was in Santorini, so I managed to get another one of my industry colleagues to have a chat with me. Uh, this fellow is called Ed Cook, and he's a very tall chap, so obviously uh, leg room on aircraft is uh, quite important to him. And he was telling me about uh, how all that works for him, so let's, uh, let's have a listen. Hello, it's Nev here again with another in the series of Nev's Passenger Experiences. Well, as you may remember, back in June of this year, I went on an excellent business trip to Santorini and I took the opportunity of speaking to a number of my industry colleagues about their travel habits and about the kind of experiences that they have had. This week, it's the turn of Ed Cook, who is the head of one of the largest audiovisual systems integrators in the UK and who travels a great deal for business and leisure. I began by asking Ed about the sort of challenges he faces when travelling by air. I think being quite a tall guy, a lot of my passenger experience is based around legroom and whether one can get it or not. Different flights vary on on what you get in economy. Obviously, if you're in business or, or first, then it's it's absolutely fine. It was interesting coming here uh, as we are now in sunny Santorini, uh, flying BA, actually uh, the legroom was absolutely fine. Uh, we were on a flight with uh, Al Italia just a, a couple of weeks ago coming back from Milan where literally you, you couldn't sit in the seat if, if you were my height and I'm about six foot four. Uh, fortunately it wasn't very full and so we, we moved to the exit seats and then that was absolutely fine. So yes, I am unduly influenced by the amount of space you, you can actually get. And what do you think about the airport experience, you know, the, the, the check-in thing? For, for me, it just seems uh, there's just too much of it uh, and there's a lot of complication associated with it. What do you think about that? I agree. It does seem to be a very long-winded process uh, when we'll often spend longer in the airport than you do actually on the aeroplane. I'm not sure how they get around that with all the security concerns these days. Um, I can see it just getting worse, quite frankly. I'm, I'm sure they will come up with a new way of doing it, but it, I think it needs a complete overhaul just to get people through m- more quickly. 
And I think the thing is with the um, the accessibility of flying now for so many people, mainly because of the low-cost carriers, but others as well. More people want to fly, and more people inevitably end up at, at airports. And I do wonder sometimes about the the big retail experience that you you get at these airports. It seems to be more of a shopping mall than an airport sometimes. Yes, uh, I agree. I think what I've noticed as well is because of there being so many more passengers these days, if, if one can get into the BA lounge or um, any of the lounges that you can pay for, invariably you'll find that they're full, which uh, again rather spoils the, the whole point of it. The idea of a lounge was that somewhere you could go, you could sit down, you could relax, uh, whereas if it's going to be full you might as well be out in the, the main airport itself. And also, you know, if you've got a silver status, uh, like you, you and I have, um, you know, that, that, that's cost you or the business quite a lot of money. Um, and it would be nice to have some exclusivity, uh, really, wouldn't it? Yes, uh, I agree. Um, I, this may be a bit controversial, but if I was the airlines, I would be trying to put my prices up. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing service that they offer and I think it has got commoditized it has been a bit of a race to the bottom in terms of who can offer the cheapest flights but the problem is you then do have just far too many people for them to be able to handle I still think here in Europe we're a lot better off than in the States where it's a very regular occurrence that people will be bumped off flights and it's almost taken for granted that that can happen, which we don't see. Well, certainly I haven't seen so much here in the, in the UK, certainly. Would you say that from an international perspective, I know you've travelled internationally quite extensively over the years, uh, would you say that other airports have, have got it right uh, co compared to some of the UK ones? I'm not sure I would, actually. I'm, I'm trying to think of them. I mean, my experiences of, of JFK and um, were pretty appalling, <laughs> and certainly in our industry, the, with all the conventions going on in Las Vegas, one can get into Las Vegas and be in the airport for an hour and a half trying to get out, uh, which is that, that does makes no sense to me at all. Uh, so, has anybody got it right? Uh, Canada, uh, Vancouver actually is is pretty good, um, but I'd struggle to think of any sort of exemplary sites. I must say I, I've just come back from Toronto for an, uh, an aviation uh, event that we did uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, I, I must say that the the guys in Toronto seem to have the model quite quite uh, good in terms of the efficiency of getting people through the airport and re re relocated with their luggage again. Well, I think Canada is still one of the few countries that is underpopulated uh, and so quite appealing I think for uh, for British people in that you know, they, they speak English and uh, have the same sort of values as us but they just don't have the people and so they have the same standards but fewer people and you can see it and it works well. Just uh, fast forwarding uh, say t 10 years what, what, what sort of condition do you think the airports are going to be in? How, how are they going to deal with this sort of um, well frankly the, you know, the, the population explosion within the airport environment? I think it's going to be very difficult. Uh, I think unless they put the prices up to, to bring a little bit of exclusivity back to, to air travel, they're going to be swamped. Uh, I think they can't build new airports fast enough. They can't build new runways pretty much full stop. Or it seems to be an amazingly difficult process for, for them to, to do. So the only way to control the passenger flow, I think, is to put the prices up. Absolutely. A sad state of affairs, but that's where we are. But uh, thanks ever so much for your time today, Ed. Very much appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you.
Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 2-3 Manchester Wizz Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 Direct to Britman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 flight simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Sterling work as always, Nev. Well done. Oh, very nice of you. Yeah, thank you very much. That concludes the last of the uh, Dev's passenger experiences from Santorini, so I'll have to go to uh, other places now to, uh, to to find people to talk to. But uh, no, there's plenty coming up because uh, next week, uh, my uh, in fact, a client of mine, Mike Jones, uh, did me a few weeks ago Ryanair experience. <gasps> oh, so Blimey. Oh, dear. That's, that's a frightening <laughs> very, thought, isn't very it? Very brave. But actually, I think you'll find it's uh, quite positive, so uh, I'm happy to play it. Oh, oh okay. excellent. That's oh, good. That's good. Look that's forward good to hearing that. Yes, actually. Now, I knew this would happen. The minute that I said uh, that, you know, I reckoned it was the best place for there for someone to be <laughs> for, an, you know, like a, a viewing, if you like, to watch aircraft take off or land. Uh, uh, where No sooner had I done that was I uh, bombarded with a message or two from a dear friend of the show, uh, Mr. Jonathan Warner. Not Mr. Uh, Warner. Uh, yeah, Mr. Warner, indeed, who has uh, uh, sent me some video evidence, if you like, of, of what he thinks is a far better place uh, to be when it comes to uh, flight takeoffs and things like that. Uh, I've got no sound on it, unfortunately, oh, it's B- but um, it's... Uh, oh, there you go. So 
So yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, all right. He can have that one. That is a much better place to be. Uh, to be uh, yeah doing that I, I knew I knew the minute I did that I was going to get into trouble for saying that so yes alright uh, if you have any other recommended locations or much better locations well, B1 that you sorry think, B1 uh, is it a B1 is yeah, it alright okay, that's correct. my military knowledge yeah, right. there okay, it's yeah. just shot it's just to pieces it's one of those things isn't it as far as you're oh. concerned yeah, absolutely uh, yes so uh, yes that serves me right really so yes uh, if you have any other locations uh, that you would recommend uh, contenders for and if you've got some video for them ping them our way and exactly. we'll play them out but uh, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, you know, at the go- moment, the trump card is with Jonathan Warner, I think. Going back to uh, Nev's passenger experience and the comment that his guest made about, uh, you know, increasing fares to offer a better experience, um, here in the uh, in the U.S., uh, what's going on, uh, you know, the coach service, bus service is what we call it here, has always been horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, just really terrible, low class, surrounded by riffraff. But until recently, where now many of the coach companies are offering, for a greater fare, a first class experience, mm-hmm. where uh, you can get this first class high-end coach with uh, individual business-like seats like you'd find in, in the airlines. And... Um, in business class uh, with hostesses on board or hosts on board, you know, and 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 movies and all that, all those other things to be able to travel between uh, city connections. So I yeah. can go from uh, here in Portland, Maine to downtown New York City for the same price that I would pay to get a flight into an airport uh, and have this first class experience, not yeah. taking that much longer because of all the waits and holds up at the airport. So if that's happening with coaches here in the U.S. or the bus service, then I'm hoping that one day, although capacity control at airports may have something to do with it, Mm. that we might see that happening with airlines as well. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. I mean, and we always joke, isn't it? Ryanair is very much the buses of the skies, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But it, you know, they're they're serving a purpose. They're they're doing exactly that. They just don't use um, air buses. Right, moving on. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, we have got uh, a few little military stories to come up then uh, this week. And, uh, yeah, to, to, well, just to make Jonathan Warner happy, really. Right, okay. That's yes. basically just why we do it. Just here to please. Just yes, here to please, I know. Yeah. So uh, if everyone's ready, we'll, uh, we've got a few of these to cut through quick because we're going to try and get them through them as quick as we can because Nev's, Nev's battery to about is 20%. getting yes, low. Absolutely so so if you're all ready, we'll do some military mm. news. So what the first news story this week, this one is on the Flight Global website, awesome little website that one, and the headline is a bit of a shocking one really, Serbia receives MiG-29s donated by Russia. So Serbia has received six former Russian Air Force MiG-29 fighters donated free of charge by Moscow. Whoa. Although Belgrade paid nothing for the aircraft, it will still spend 180 million euros, or $212 million, on maintenance with the Russian manufacturer, a deal that uh, includes the examples in its current inventory. Discussions between the two nations will also take place on potential future upgrades of the MiG-29s to include new avionics and weapons. The aircraft, which include a pair of two-seat UB variants, arrived at the Batanjnika, Airbase early this month and were displayed in the presence of Russian Defence Minister Sergei 
Sugu and like Serbian Kuka. President yes. Alexander Vukic on October the 20th. My pronunciation, I'll tell you, it's getting better every week. Uh, uh, yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, produ- <laughs> uh, produced between 1989 and 1991, the new arrivals are slightly newer than Serbia's existing four-strong fleet, uh, which was delivered in 1987. So... Um, well, well, Russia must be feeling quite um, generous, I suppose. Flush. If, if you're, if you're listening, words. Russia, yeah. um, I'll have a MiG-29. Right. Okay. Yeah, send one I'm over. I'm not sure that's entirely how it works, no? Carlos. I've got okay. to be honest. Uh, I, yeah, I think you've sort of misunderstood um, <laughs> how it works. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I okay. suspect, Carlos, they may give you one if you're willing to spend the $50 million a year on the maintenance program. <laughs> I think, you know, that's how it all works. Right, yes. So I, yeah, I couldn't afford to fuel yeah. it or fly no, it, no. but it would look nice in the driveway. I don't think it'd fit in your driveway. I don't think it'd fit in that nice bit of new green lawn that you've just put out back true. as well. Yeah, but true. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, absolutely. So next story, moving on. The Telegraph, this one, Matt, for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and uh, the uh, headline is... Uh, Sorry, uh, doing too many things. It was. This is the Telegraph. Uh, the headline is RAF recruits cyber experts to probe planes weaknesses. The Royal Air Force is recruiting cyber security experts to check its aircraft for weaknesses amid fears hacking attacks on planes will play an increasing role in future conflict. RAF commanders have been advertising for cyber experts to take jobs checking aircraft and their computer support systems for vulnerabilities. Uh, modern planes are increasingly reliant on online systems and connect both to each other and to systems on the ground but these networks could be open to military hackers aviation experts have said the RAF has advertised for experienced computer security experts to carry out cyber vulnerability analysis and investigations uh, on air platforms and air systems as part of uh, 591 signals unit RAF uh, sources said that the uh, work would include analyzing attempts to hack into RAF systems Uh, Tim Robinson who's the editor-in-chief of aerospace magazine said it's a growing battle space in the aviation arena and as these aircraft platforms get more connected you want to make sure that they are secure now the only comment i'm going to make on this story is as long as they're not stupid enough stupid enough to make it out of microsoft based systems i don't think they're going to have a problem um dear dear raf yes i have a person here who would be great for this job. Right. Matt okay. Smith yeah. is the <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, moving oh. on. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, I think uh, you should apply for this, Matt. I, I mean, surely, surely these systems are, are written in in sort of, you know, like well, I mean, virtually at the binary level. Surely they're not buying mm. off-the-shelf, like, sort of Windows or, or even Mac. I mean, Mac God is... Blimey, is heaven forbid they should they choose a Mac-related... Yeah, yeah, BA. Yeah. No, it's probably all it's, Unix code, it, you know? It's probably Unix or Linux, isn't but it? But this is it. This is it. But surely, I I can't see. I I I, I don't know. I I can't see. Really? Is that a genuine? Is that a genuine concern? Is that they think that they might actually be? Well, no, no fighter jets and stuff like the you know like the F you know the F twenty two F thirty fives and even the Eurofighter Typhoon. Yeah, they're all very very. You know, yeah, computer technical, reliant yeah. technical aircraft. Yes, I know. And but I suppose you, be, you've got to have... be based on a platform that is, that unless you're in the aviation industry. Sure, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, mm. it is what it is. Well, you know, Can't they just uh, put like and... it, it's the, the war of the future is going to be cyber warfare. Yeah. Granted, we'll have all these yeah. things in the air, but you know, if, if if we're going to attack a nation, what do we want to do? We want to bring down the electrical grid system. I mean, yeah. that's the first thing to do. And and 
It's the same thing when you when you develop aircraft that fly all by computers. It's going to certainly be a lot easier and a lot cheaper to hack into those computers to destroy the aircraft mm. than it is to buy yeah. air-to-air missiles well, that's or ground-to-air missiles. Uh, yeah, indeed. But, I mean, can't they just, like, download the free version of Avast or something? And or just malware. Sort of, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Stick that on the yeah, platform. Or Kapersky, <laughs> which allowed, you know, people access into, pen- into the Pentagon. So, well, you know, you true. can't do that either. No, <laughs> indeed. Oh, dear. Right. Okay, who's going to take the next story? Who are we going to throw this, this at? Oh, uh, next one we'll go with Nev. Oh, go on, Nev. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is in, uh, on flightglobal.com. And, of course, uh, aircraft production uh, regularly makes losses. But this is quite eye-watering, actually. And uh, Boeing reported a $329 million reach forward loss wow. on the KC-46 <laughs> uh, tanker program to cover the costs of incorporating multiple cha- design changes into the first lot of production aircraft. The latest change deepens Boeing's losses on the um, fixed price development and production co- uh, contracts for the KC-46. Since 2016, Boeing's reported a total of $1.6 billion in reach forward losses on the engineering, manufacturing and development and low-rate initial production aircraft. But Boeing doesn't expect the additional costs to have an impact on the program schedule. After a previously announced eight-month delay, the U.S. Air Force expects Boeing to deliver the first 18 KC-46As to Air Mobility Command in the spring of next year. We have not experienced any new significant uh, technical discoveries, says Boeing Chairman, President and Chief Executive Dennis Muhlenberg. And we continue to make steady progress, closing out technical risk on the path to final certification and to delivering the first 18 tankers next year. The reach forward losses in the third quarter includes a $256 million charge by Boeing commercial aircraft on the 7672C freighter variant and a $73 million charge by the defense space and security segment which converts the 727, sorry, 7672C into the KC-46. In addition to those, uh, to losses over $2 billion since these programs started in 2011, Boeing has received $9.8 billion in combined EMD and LRIP contracts from the U.S. Air Force. The LRIP awards have added 34 aircraft to Boeing's 767 backlog. So this is uh, another story where it just shows you how much money you can burn in aviation with yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If, you need, if you needed yet further proof, here it is right, right yeah. there. And yeah. obviously the military are, are very good at that, aren't they? Uh, more yes, so than the indeed. commercial sector. Yes, yeah. I've got to say, this is something, and Tony commented on it in the, uh, in the in chat the room, you know, yeah. how difficult is it to stick a boom on a 767? I don't quite understand the difficulties that are happening with mm-hmm. the KC-46 production, and I wish we had an expert like, uh, like David Vanderhoof with us mm-hmm. to comment on it, although he doesn't like to talk about tankers, but we've been oh, no. making booms for aircraft mm-hmm. for years on the KC-135, the KC-10, etc. We've been making 767s for years, and we make both pretty well, and they fly pretty well. What's the difficulty with this integration? Uh, I mean, I know that it's not the same kind of boom. There's not going to be a, uh, a gas passer in the back lying on his belly watching the aircraft through a window. It's all being done electronically. Maybe that's part of the mistake. But I don't understand why this is causing so much difficulty for Boeing in terms of putting this all together. I wish that someone could explain it to me. Mm. It's just as well Boeing got such a huge order list at the moment with all these air, right, air, exactly. uh, airlines buying you aircraft. Think manage, do you? Yeah, try and claw back some of what they're losing on the uh, 46 project. But there mm. we go. So next uh, story, uh, Micah. 
I think you should have this one. Well, the USAF, that's the US Air Force, is deploying F-22 Raptors for the air training mission in Europe. The US Air Force has deployed F-22 Raptor aircraft to Europe to participate in an air training mission alongside other US-Europe-based aircraft and NATO allies. Raptors from the 1st Fighter Wing at Joint Base Langley-Eustis in Virginia arrived at Royal Air Force Lakenhurst, UK. Did I pronounce that right? Lakenhurst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for a flight flying uh, flying training deployment. The flight training deployment, FTD, has been funded by the European Deterrence Initiative, EDI, which improves the U.S. deterrence posture in Europe by improving the readiness and responsiveness of the U.S. forces. EDI will provide close to $1 billion in funding to the USAF for increased intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance processing, continued support of missions such as NATO air police, uh, uh, policing and theater security packages, enhanced pre-positioning of contingency air operations equipment, improvements to airfield infrastructure, and pre-positioning of air operations equipment and enablers in NATO ally countries. Countries. The U.S. Air Force Europe, Air Force uh, Air Forces Africa Commander General Todd D. Walters said, the deployment of fifth generation combat aircraft to the European Area Responsibility, AOR, is a concrete example of how the U.S. is engaged, postured and ready with credible force to assure, uh, to assure deter and defend in an increasing complex, complex security environment. There's simply no substitute for our forward presence here in Europe. The latest deployment marks a third European deployment of Raptors. Six F-22s and 150 airmen will participate in the RAF exercise Eastern Zephyr to conduct realistic training in a joint environment and bolster capabilities with NATO allies. Additionally, airmen and F-22 aircraft have been have forward deployed from the UK to Germany and Poland to demonstrate their ability to quickly respond and reassure allies and partners. Well, it's yeah. very kind of you to donate uh, these aircraft to us, uh, Micah. We need all the help yeah, we can for, get. Yeah. For just a billion dollars. It's yeah, a nice donation. Yeah, we'll have a couple. <laughs> yeah, all part of the fun. I know. <laughs> but you know what the good news is? There's Maybe you guys will be able to spot some F-22s over there. Well, true. Mm. True, that is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. They're so awesome. Oh, are they? Beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Love the F-22. Don't tell me we they, saw they them fly. In Pittsburgh. I was going to say they, they were sure at Pittsburgh. You, you, yeah. you have, they don't fly into your airport, do they, Jen? I have not seen any. No, oh, okay. sadly, yeah. but they have flown into the cargo airport. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tony's asking, can we keep them? <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, can we can we um, have them on extended? Hey, mom, loan? it followed me home. Can I keep? Yeah, it? can I keep one, please? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh dear. dear. So that is where we will bring the military segment to a close. Hopefully, Nev has still got at least ten percent battery left on his uh, his computer. Nev. Yeah, I've gone into mega power-saving mode here, and oh. I've managed to squeeze out another 5%. So oh, it's not as bad as we thought. Well, oh. I don't think we should be quite... I should, don't think we should be too confident. I think we should sort of start yeah. uh, wrapping yeah. up. There is the, there, <laughs> look, there is one thing we do want to talk about very quickly, if that's Before okay. Before we finish. Uh, yeah. and, and that is, uh, Pip, obviously, we, we desperately need to talk to you about uh, how, how goes your time in the sim, because obviously you're, you're essentially learning a new craft, aren't you, for, uh, yeah. for, how, for, your, all going, for the day job how's it going yes the new craft is witchcraft as it turns out <laughs> right it's yes. um, bamboozling stuff now it's all right uh coming towards the end now i just did the check ride yesterday uh, i was telling jen about it earlier and it all went swimmingly roughly uh no it's okay uh so just got three swim uh, swim sessions sim sessions left we've got one this afternoon oh 
Oh, we just isn't that typical? Uh, is, isn't, isn't that yeah, typical? He's just dropped off again. Yeah. <laughs> he's still there, Pip. Oh no. dear! Oh no! He's, here he comes. No, there he is. He's, he's back. back. Hello. Am I here? You yeah. are. So, so yes. Pip, you were saying you've got three sim sessions left. Yeah. Sorry about our crappy internet. Uh, three <laughs> sim sessions left. One <laughs> this afternoon, uh, which is a, a new things jet upset and recovery training, and then we've got two sessions for our. Um, Special airports training, which is a regular thing we do. But all in all, it's okay. I must admit, I'm still in two minds about the new jet. Uh, some bits I very much like, and some bits I very much do not like. Mm. Um, so I mean, how, how do you? I mean, have you have you had a, a flight in in one yet? Not not necessarily behind the controls, but have you been out? Sort of, you know, have you actually? Uh, well, I, I I did fly as a passenger on one actually a couple of years back. Hmm. Um, but no, not recently. I won't get to actually fly the aircraft itself until towards the end of November. Right. But I mean, based on that, I mean, how did it, how did it feel in comparison to the Hawker? I mean, what, like so as a passenger, I mean. Oh, it's very comfortable. I mean, you know, it's smaller in the cabin, but it's hmm. it's uh, it's comfortable. It's got a, a few nicer things. It's obviously got Wi-Fi. It's got proper uh, AC outlets in all of the seats, which is one of the drawbacks for the Hawker. It only had a hmm. couple in the whole aircraft. Uh, and it's got the nice coffee machine. So, you know, the passengers like it. It's very popular, and we've yeah. um, managed to uh, I suppose a lot. One of the one of the most important questions that I expect Jen is uh, incredibly um, worried about yes, yes. is, uh, does this aircraft come with its own air stairs? It does. It has its oh. own stairs. <laughs> does most it? Stairs. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the stairs truck, which you wouldn't need. Maybe a stairs golf cart. <laughs> stairs golf. Yeah. yeah. Nice stairs golf Ooh. Sure okay. Too. There we I'll go. Have to see if I can get you one. Excellent. Sorry, Mike. Go. So Tony had asked a question in the chat room earlier. Uh, with you changing uh, types like this, where do, what happens with your with your rating in, in line? Does that change in terms of like it does with uh, with other airlines? Are you is your seniority remain the same? Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, it makes no difference. Um, we use seniority, not quite in the same way as most other airlines, but um, it does factor into some things. But no, it doesn't matter. Seniority is based on the date you join the company. Right. Yeah. So it, okay. uh, it doesn't matter how many times you change your fleet, that won't, your seniority won't change at all. We do have a, a very funny fleeting system based on, uh, it's a point system. Uh, the basic theory being that the less popular fleets like the, the Embraer and the smaller ones, uh, you get more points and you use those points for bidding for other fleets later on in your career. So you get more points for the uh, Embraer and, for instance, you would get fewer points for the Global because it's a very desirable aircraft. And let me point out for listeners who may not be aware, and I don't know that Pip will point it out himself, and I hope he does, but uh, he just released his wonderful mm. uh, plane safety podcast uh, earlier this week, and it's a wonderful uh, series of stories about his experience in the Hawker, his, his former aircraft, and I highly recommend that, uh, that anybody who hasn't heard it yet give it a listen. Agreed. So before we uh, wrap up the show then, we're going to make a special announcement as well. Don't forget, this weekend, Sunday the 29th, it is the meet-up at Goodwood, at the Goodwood Aerodrome here in the UK. 
Uh, kind of kick-off time is going to be around about the 2 p.m. in the afternoon time. Uh, Captain Nick's going to be there along with a whole host of APG listeners and hopefully some listeners of uh, PTUK as well. Yeah, uh, hopefully we won't be the only ones we, Hopefully we won't be the only ones there. Um, so that's, uh, as I said, it's at the Goodwood Aerodrome. Uh, we're going to be meeting at the CAF there, I think, which is quite appropriate, yep. um, at 2 p.m. Um, I think we're going to get there a bit earlier. Me and Matt, we're going to drive down. Yeah, but if, uh, uh, everybody else is meeting at 2, so that, that's yeah. the official time yeah. uh, but don't forget for us uh, those of you guys who are like us here and live in the UK don't forget that on Sunday uh, daylight saving time ends mm. and that's at 2am in the morning and the clocks will go back one hour mm. so don't forget to put your clocks back an hour and uh, yeah Absolutely. We're going to hopefully have yeah. a really good day on Sunday at Goodwood and hopefully get to meet uh, some of you the UK listeners who uh, perhaps haven't met Indeed. us at the air shows. So uh, g- give your uh, your podcast one last plug, please, sir. Mr. Uh, Pip? Um, PlainSafetyPodcast.com. Excellent. Listen. Thanks for that. Yes. So it is <laughs> www.plainsafetypodcast.com. Uh, episode number 45 is the current uh, 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 episode, and it's labelled uh, Farewell to the Hawker. Aww. It is a lovely picture as well, actually, with the mountains in the background that he's uh, included there. Is that in this episode, we're saying a fond farewell to the Hawker 800 and taking a trip down memory lane as I recount some of the stories from the last eight years on this great aeroplane. So, yeah, very much uh, recommended as a listen. If you want to. Uh, uh, well, uh, you know, hopefully you're already aware of us because obviously you are listening to this. Um, but obviously our website is uh, it is uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, it is uh, where you can buy our fabulous T-shirts if you want to get your hands on a very nice, good mm. quality Fruit of the Loom Still uh, T-shirt with the embroidered um, uh, PTUK logo, and then you've got a screen yeah. print on the back. With uh, actually, what I might UK do, I might, I might put some of those in the old uh, in the old uh, TriStar van and bring with us on Sunday. Oh, I think so. So, yeah, um, you never know. Yeah, in yeah, case anyone absolutely. wants to uh, grab yourself a T-shirt on Indeed. Sunday, we'll bring some of those down with us as well. Matt? Yes. What's, yes. What's the only thing better than the Plain Talking UK podcast and Plain Safety podcast? Do you know? <laughs> now, no. I'm going to tell you, it's a wonderful blog called Tales from the Terminal. Oh, oh, I've heard, 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 heard rumours about I've this. I've heard yes, rumours that that is yes. the, the ultimate in, uh, in, the, in okay. reading, yes, yeah. Come on, Jen. Ultimate in silliness in print. Excellent. And you can find that at talesfromthetermal.com. Well, that's Yay. very good. I like that. And, so it is so and uh, an, another public service announcement for next week's listeners <laughs> to uh, or, and, and watchers of, of, of the uh, Plain Talking UK podcast, because of your time change in the UK, and here in the USA, we wait another week, that there will be a four-hour difference. And so if you start at your normal cl- time of 7 p.m., 1900 hours here, instead of being 2 p.m., it will be 3 p.m., 1500 hours Ooh. next week. So... Bear that in mind. We're of off course. for a week. Yes, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to say a special thanks as well to our awesome uh, host of the show, uh, Nev, for joining us uh, whilst he's uh, away yeah, sunning himself there on, on, a, on a purely business trip. Of course, absolutely. I will say. Nothing but. So yeah, massive yeah, thanks yeah, to you, Nev, for, uh, for joining us. Pleasure. And, uh, yeah, absolute us. pleasure, guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Nev, for the show today. And uh, I should be looking forward to listening to Pip's latest. 
this episode on my way back home in a few hours' time. Fantastic. So Good, man. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those who have been watching, obviously, uh, Never's been really struggling with bandwidth, basically. So, yeah, apologies. Bit. Although the sound's not been too bad, it's been sort of cutting out here in places. Uh, it, it uh, yeah, uh, uh, apologies for the video quality uh, from Nev's end. But it was better that it's, there's nothing we could do. We tried it, everything. We really did. Uh, 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 yeah, it's definitely not Nev's equipment. No, indeed. Right, good. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, Social media uh, feeds for us here. It's at Plain Talking UK if you're on Twitter, and it's facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Get in touch with the show, please, uh, via email. We love audio and video, and just just even just email us uh, with stories to tell, and we'll read mm. them out uh, oh, yeah. on the show. It is podcast at Plain Talking UK.com. Carlos, it's time to wrap up. So that is where we're going to bring episode number 180. Eight. Wow, we are like literally twelve away from <laughs> from the big two hundred, aren't we? This is Blimey. so scary. It is scary. Yeah. Is everything still in place for episode two hundred? Very, on the much, very so. much so. With bells yeah, on, very so. much so. Yeah, with, with bells on, yeah. yeah. With, are there still places available? If there's one place left. There is one. One yes, place one is there. Place left. So uh, yeah, get one if, space is left. So if you are coming on your own. <laughs> You don't forget, if, uh, don't forget if, for them because some people don't watch or watch the YouTube version. They do download the show. So if you mm. are listening to the show but on your uh, your your mute or MP3 player mm. device type type thing, and you uh, you want to get in touch with us uh, and join us on the twentieth of January next year, please don't year, do that, Carlos. And have a go at flying. Sorry, and have a go at <laughs> flying the uh, the seven three seven eight hundred sim. Yeah. Then uh, yeah, do get drop us an email and we'll put you on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to join Podcast us. at plaintalkinguk.com But there is literally only one space left so uh, yep. yeah you need to, to do it and do it now but it's going to be a great day it's in East Putney uh, and it's a little company called uh, NP Simula- Simulations you might notice yeah. uh, that there's an advert that we now play out there uh, is. Uh, each week for them so anyway, quick, that's quick it. promo before we finish for next week's show we have got a special guest joining us next week on the show who is the producer of uh, some fantastic aviation DVDs that mm. use a lot of archive yep. footage of aircraft and airlines from around the world so he's going to be on the show next week Week joining us to talk about how he puts these awesome DVDs together. Very much one to watch uh, live or, and online if you can, because yeah. uh, there is hopefully going to be some great video content yeah, there is, uh, yeah. that he's going to let us play out. So uh, please do make sure that uh, if you can uh, join us next Friday, uh, usual time, seven pm yeah. here, where we go. We go back to um, we go back to UTC time, don't we now? Uh, something yeah, like that's that, right. Yeah. We go we go back to UCT or UTC or whatever it, the heck it is, Greenwich Mean Time. So for uh, anyone. <laughs> Everyone who's joined us uh, in the chat room, massive thanks to everyone tonight for joining us in the chat room and uh, and giving us some entertainment uh, yes. <laughs> with the, with the discussion been entertaining been us on. today. Yeah, and uh, for any of those yeah. who are going to be uh, at Goodwood on Sunday, yeah. we'll see, we you, see there. you there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it then. Take care, everyone. Have a fantastic weekend with whatever you're doing. Stay safe, fly safe, and uh, we'll see and speak to you all again next Friday. From all of us here in the studio and online across the world, it is time. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.